and welcome to the Survivor Historians in our uh, Survivor Historian Apprentice Contest. Today, we are interviewing the final six candidates to take over Paul's vacant spot as historian. Don't sound so gleeful in that, or are you gleeful? What, how are you feeling right now? I'm feeling, you know, my, I got mixed feelings right now. Happy for the new person, sad for Paul. No, I'm just kidding. That's a Johnny Dangerously quote for people who know their 80s music or movies. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, as always, I wish Paul were here. The realities of it are he probably won't be here for a while. He's incredibly busy in, uh, in Europe. So uh, I'm making the best of it that I can. It's, it's, it's very brave of you, I have to say. You know, when I, when I think of brave individuals in the United States, your name comes up first. And probably second is the other Mario Lanza who's dead. So... Exactly. You know, you know I'm powering through this. It's good. I'm working it's through good. the grief. <laughs> what a trooper. What a trooper. All right. So just to clarify for our audience, our listeners, um, we interviewed 17 people for the uh, vacant spot on Survivor Historians. Uh, everybody did a great job, but we set a rule right at the start. We could only pick five or six for the final round. So um, Unfortunately, some great candidates didn't make the final round, but this is what we have now. We just have our final six tonight. You got any comments before we begin, Jay? Um, you know, we, we made the picks ourselves. Um, you know, we, we did listen to people's feedback, and it, it was really nice because I think people's feedback was you know, usually on par with what we were thinking. But uh, to those of you out there that like somebody else that didn't make the finals, uh, tough. Yeah. I will say there was... Eight candidates that got a ton of, of write-in support and emails from the listeners, and we can only pick six. So there's some people that got just an absolute ton of emails that people wanted to hear them, but we just couldn't fit them into our six. So, I mean, that's such as life. That's unfortunately what we have to do here. And thanks to everyone that, uh, you know, that, that wrote in, first of all, and then also to the 17 that, that had an interview. It was, it was fun to, to talk to different people. So, you know, and, and just getting that far is... I mean, I, I don't want to say, oh, getting that far is an accomplishment of itself, but it kind of is. I mean, it is. It, you know, we, we had fun and, you know, we got to talk some Survivor, just talk to them. And, uh, you know, any day talking Survivor is a good day, I think. Absolutely. And I'm going to pull out a Tammy quote here from Marquesas. You should all be proud that you made the jury. You should, everyone here should be happy. Yes, but are we rooting for your success? <laughs> yes. If you're not here, probably not. <laughs> Sorry. All right, we'll stop being snide. We have six people lined up. We have not announced who these six people are yet. This will be the first time anybody other than Jay, me, and the person being interviewed know that they're going to be on tonight. So you ready to move on to our first of these six finalists, Jay? Let's go. All right, our first uh, finalist here. This is uh, one of the people we interviewed in our second show. As uh, many people pointed out, they thought that our second show was stronger than our first. We... Uh, the second show was unbelievable how many strong candidates there were. It was ridiculous. But this is one of the stronger ones who got a lot of write-in support. It is one of our uh, female candidates, and I am proud to welcome back to Survivor Historians, Sarah Casa. What's up? Hello. Welcome back. You can hear me? I can hear you great. Awesome. So, Sarah, how, uh, how do you feel to be one of the six finalists for Survivor Historians? Uh, it is an honor, actually. I'm I'm surprised at the feedback I did get. Now, why is that? Uh, I I don't I don't know. I don't think I really had like enough time. Like looking at the at the uh, time of my interview is actually five minutes shorter than everyone else. <laughs> so, that, that, so this is what we have to worry about if we if we cast Sarah here, Jane. She will time to make sure she gets equal treatment with everybody else. 
All okay. about equality. <laughs> I guess, but you, you have to realize, Sarah, that you know on this podcast, there is no equality of time because 75% of it is Mario just talking about bullcrap, right? <laughs> so then, you know, there's just a little bit for the rest of us. So you know, we all have to be okay with that, right? Yeah. Yeah, I understand that. All right, Sarah. Do you have anything stuck in your craw that you'd like to talk about here in your final interview? Do you have any subjects you wanted to talk about, or should we just wing it? Uh, I'd like to wing it. I just wanted to point out that, you know, obviously, like I was one of the last ones that went on the second one, so I didn't hear the intro. Mm-hmm. I, like I just tickled pink that used Martha Stewart's apprentice theme on the second one. <laughs> Do you know how many people didn't get that joke either? I mean, people. We got a lot of feedback that said. Why did you change the song? That other song was stupid. And I'm like, well, that's it's a kind of a joke. That's the uh, Martha Stewart Apprentice theme. I yeah, like was, Martha Stewart's Apprentice. I'm surprised it didn't get picked up. I liked it too, but it, I got the sense that she didn't really have any people behind her kind of selling it. Like yeah. Trump didn't really support her. I don't think NBC really supported her. It was just kind of thrown out there to die. And once the ratings weren't great, they gave up on her. Wasn't it like right after she got out of jail? I believe it was. They had to delay it because she was in jail. Yeah, they still and then, have that uh, uh, convict stigma about her, I guess. <laughs> yes, the stench of death was still on her. <laughs> now, uh, I guess we're not talking about Survivor here, but you know, Bethany Frankel was on that show, which I love pointing out. Well, I didn't know who she was at the time. Like, all I know is that I didn't want her to win because I didn't like her. Yeah, and now she's like a celebrity. Yeah. All right. like, when I first like, like clicked on her Wikipedia link randomly one day, it's like she was on uh, Finals and Martha Stewart's Apprentice. Like, oh my God, I remember her. And yep. I did not like her. Exactly. And I still don't like her. So it worked out well. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Let's move to Survivor since this is what our uh, listeners want to talk about. Um, All Stars. Like, Sorry. What? Uh, <laughs> I was like, I could do a podcast on Martha Stewart's Apprentice. We could. Uh, I'm not sure our listeners would be too thrilled about that, but I would totally <laughs> be up for that because I love that show and I still have it on tape somewhere. It's like all three viewer, all three listeners of that podcast would enjoy it. <laughs> Jay, did you want to no, you guys talk about it. Wake me when it's over. <laughs> I was going to say, Jay, do you have anything to add here? Uh, Martha Stewart. Um, you know, it's a good thing, right? Yes. Yeah, no, I did not watch Martha Stewart's Apprentice. I barely watched The Apprentice. And in fact, I haven't watched several seasons of The Apprentice. So, uh, But I, I don't claim to be uh, an Apprentice historian or anything like that. So, uh, you know. Before I get all the hate mail or any mail. I don't get any mail. What am I even saying? Let's talk about something. All right, Jay, why don't you give us a subject this time? We have an interview here, and Sarah would like to go and watch the Oscars. Yeah. <laughs> oh, boy. Um, well, we have Survivor All-Stars coming up here in the Survivor Historians uh, canon here. Do you, uh, anything you want to talk about, really, with uh, Survivor All-Stars, Sarah? Anything that you want to bring to the table here? I'm sure once you actually get to the All-Stars podcast, this will be discussed to death. Like, like just start off with the casting. Yes. Absolutely. That's one thing everyone asks us about, too. Everyone always wants to talk about all-star casting. Now, now, as a suckster, you are a well-known survivor suckster. I'm guessing you're not thrilled with all-stars like most sucksters. Is that correct? No, not really. Now, would you blame that on the cast? Now, I've always personally believed the cast was pretty good. Uh, yeah, I, I, I like the cast for the most part. Like, I remember when it was announced, I was looking at the website. I was like, like oh, yes, Ethan, Richard, uh, Sheehan even. I was like, I'm really surprised at her. And then I saw two names there that made me, like, scream at my computer screen of frustration, which was Colby and Rob, uh, Rob Mariano. So you were not a Colby fan? No, I was not. I was the one person in America in 2001 that hated his guts. Well, let's, let's delve into this one. This is a good subject because you don't hear this much. Why? <laughs> yeah, uh, 
Well, I was a, I was like the biggest fan of Elizabeth at the time. I thought like she was the most amazing, perfect person in the world at the time. Not now. Like, yeah, at the time, like I loved Elizabeth. I cried when she was voted out. Like I hated Colby because he kept winning everything, and like that meant like, oh my god, Elizabeth's gonna be next. Like even like the night before the finale, I had a I had a nightmare, or like I had, it was a dream that Elizabeth finally won immunity and they voted Colby out, and then the exact opposite wound up happening. No, it was the night before the le- second to last episode. That's what it was because she didn't make the finale. So it was all all because you were pro Elizabeth. Yeah. And I thought Colby was, like, uh, such an arrogant, self-righteous asshole. I didn't like him. (laughs) Now, do you still feel that way about Colby? I'm curious. On Survivor, yes. In person, I don't really care either way. You mean you're not a... You're going to talk about Martha Stewart Apprentice, but you don't watch (laughs) just the genius that is Top Shot? I do watch Top Shot, and I like him on that. You know what the difference is between the two shows, Jay, is that on Top Shot, Colby does not write them a thank you letter at the end for participating in his show. (laughs) <laughs> Martha Stewart actually did that. She wrote a thank you letter at the oh end. Oh my god, I forgot about the thank you notes. A little pot puree in your envelope will make a nice warm aroma when they open it. It's a good thing. <laughs> well, that, no, this, this, is, this is an interesting thing because, yeah, I guess the, the thing is you have a point there. I mean, you know, you can look at Colby and say, you know, what a, what a, what a jerk face kind of guy. If you were in the, the corner of perhaps like a Roger and Elizabeth, you know, some of those Kucha members that made it later in the game, you look at uh, Colby and, and teeth and Keith and Tina, but, but especially Colby who's winning the challenges and is kind of just captain America in front, winning the car, having a weird visit from his mom, you know, having all of these things, it's, it's an interesting prospect that you could be annoyed with him. But, um, yeah, I guess it's curious because I'm not. I, I never want to tell people to change their mind on a rewatch. But does your mind on Colby d- does it change ever with time, or did it change with subsequent appearances by Colby on Survivor? Is there anything along those those uh those lines? No, because I hated him in All Stars and Heroes versus Villains too. <laughs> oh, that's very consistent. And it wasn't even the merge that was really the catalyst that made me hate him. I hated him as soon as he turned on Jerry because I liked Jerry. That was my next question. If you hate Colby, you must have loved Jerry. I did. Like, I was like, I was so surprised at like all the hatred she was getting. I mean, she, I mean, Jerry's awesome. How could you hate her? What's funny is I write about that a lot about how hated Jerry was, and a lot of new viewers at the time or new viewers to Survivor now don't understand that. They're like, "Well, Jerry didn't do anything wrong. Why would people hate her? They think I'm making that up." I'm like, "I am so not making that up." <laughs> Everyone hated Jerry, other than Sarah. It's like people in America wanted to kill Jerry for accusing Kel of having beef jerky. And now, just recently on this season, you had a woman pour out the rice on a whim, and all of a sudden it's, it's lauded as an, amazing, as an amazing thing on TV. That's right. She's fierce. She's fierce and amazing. Yeah. Now, now was it difficult being a Jerry fan back in the day? Well I, w- well, I was like, what, 13, 14 at the time? So I didn't exactly have a huge internet presence. Like, we didn't have a computer that had internet connection at the time. Mm-hmm. So I wasn't really on the message boards or anything. Now, when, when did you show up on the message boards? Uh, the earliest I can remember going on message boards, and this wasn't even sucks, it was uh, the I, uh, Internet Movie Database message boards, was, <laughs> I, I think, Exile Island. I may have been Guatemala, but I don't really remember my presence that much at the time. Now, what's funny is I remember you being on Sucks Forever. I remember you as a long-time Suckster, but you're not, you weren't even there until Exile Island or something? I, I didn't start at Sucks until actually right before Redemption Island. Wow. <laughs> I was going to say that says something for your presence, that people remember <laughs> you and you haven't even been around that long. 
Yeah, uh, I was actually, like, kind of afraid of Survivor Sucks, because, you know, being the title, Survivor Sucks, like, they hate the show. Mm-hmm. And I'd rather be on a message board that actually likes the show. And then I, you know, started lurking. I was like, oh, wait a minute, these people actually do like this show. Let me start posting. Now, I have found in my experience that the Internet Movie Database is maybe the stupidest Survivor fan base ever. Yeah, that's why I eventually left it. <laughs> it was like, it was after, um, I think it was, yeah, it was Heroes vs. Villains that I eventually, like, just got so sick of it. Because mm-hmm. people there, like, you know, just suck off Russell like so hard and I can't and I couldn't stand it anymore so I like went to see sucks and was like please tell me these people hate him too and they do and I was I like alright I found my home you found your home mm-hmm. and you, you'll find a home here I don't believe Jay and I are, have too much love lost for Russell well, I can speak for myself obviously oh I yeah <laughs> come on now are you kidding me <laughs> okay. um, I, I am, I'm happy to say it, Sarah you were the first person to use the phrase suck off Russell on our <laughs> podcast so congratulations yay <laughs> Which is funny. A, I, know, I know at least four of our finalists. Yeah, I know at least four of our finalists later plan to use that phrase. So you stole their thunder. <laughs> this is an interesting point, though, because coming, uh, you know, especially coming from Survivor sucks. You know, the the prominent internet message board uh, for Survivor, and you know, spun off so many others for reality TV and whatnot. But it, it's an interesting thing because uh, there's a lot of people I know that would look at Survivor Sucks and say, I don't want to touch that place with a 10-foot pole. Not because of, you know, the, the, the snarky or anonymity. I mean, maybe I guess if someone has a thin skin, it's that. But I mean, I know a lot of people that, that like Survivor, and they say, if you like Survivor, you shouldn't really gripe about it and complain about it. And, we, you know, Survivor Sucks is a prominent message board where, you know, there's people that, that clearly have a love for Survivor, but there's a lot of, you know, bashing of things in Survivor going on on there. So, you know, what would your opinion be on, you know, sort of this, you know, we need to love it regardless or we need to bash on it sort of opinion? Oh, that's true of any fandom. You know, if you love something, you're going to find stuff to bitch about it. Just look at Star Wars. Very true. It's an excellent point. Yeah, no, I've, I've totally agreed with that over the years that, you know, if people just accepted it and say, yay, this is the greatest thing ever, and they didn't really, any, or didn't really have any opinions on it, they're really not hardcore fans at that point. Like, it's the people that are really hardcore that are bitching about every little detail. Yeah, it's like whenever I look at reviews for movies and such, I always skip over, like, the ones louding praise, because, you know, they always say the same thing. And mm-hmm. then I always go right for the ones that say they hate the movie. And so either, more- I either agree with them or disagree with them, but yeah. So if you, this were SNL, you would be a Jebediah Atkinson fan. Uh, I, I hope. I don't know that. Was, oh, damn it! I hoped you'd get that reference. Someone will get that reference. Uh, I'm not. I'm not like a. I'm not like a big SNL fan. You and Jay. I'm so, I I'm so, like I watch it occasionally, but I'm not like you know like know that like the back of my hand like I do Survivor. All right. So let's go back to Survivor. Um, <laughs> so let's see. So tell us again one more time about what it was like being a Jerry fan back in the day because. I honestly didn't know a single Jerry fan back in 2001. And again, you weren't on the internet, but like in your everyday life, your family, friends that watched the show, what would what would they think about Jerry? Uh, I think my mom didn't like her. Like she's the other like survivor. Well, was a survivor fan in my household. Like she doesn't really watch it anymore. Mm-hmm. But she was like a she's like a total casual fan. Mm-hmm. Like even though she's seen like every episode of every season up until Philippines, like she couldn't tell you one detail about what happened last week, kind of thing. But yeah, she didn't. She didn't like Jerry. Um, but yeah, even at school, like I don't really remember anybody in my class like really watching Survivor either. That was like kind of thing I kind of kept on the down low, sort of a thing. Like it wow. wasn't until like really high school because what was Australia? That was yeah, that was a fresh. I was a freshman. I didn't really have any friends at the time. <laughs> but, yeah. 
But I didn't get like into my big core group of friends until sophomore year, like freshman year was alone. <laughs> Such a loser. Now, what's funny is Survivor was a popular show at the time, and we were considered cool if you watched it. So you were kind of ahead of the game being uncool and watching Survivor. Yeah. Yeah, that became but late. Then again, like, I went to Catholic school, like, from first to eighth grade, and, like, anything that was, like, you know, cool in the, th- in the day, like, like geeky kind of stuff, like, my class was never into. Mm-hmm. So I always learned to hide my fandom. Mm-hmm. Like, my class were always, like, the cool kids that were above everything, like... Whenever something became like the end thing, like Pokemon or Power Rangers and all like that, like they liked it a little bit, and then t- two weeks later, it's like all hated. And if you hate it, you're an outcast. Or if you liked it, you're an outcast, I should say. Like Burton. Yeah. <laughs> like Burton. <laughs> That's the best I had. <laughs> you went with Burton. You didn't go with, you know, Michelle or Trish or, you know, there were six of them, you know, Mario, you son of a bitch. Burton. Skinny Ryan with his die jerks. <laughs> Now, what do you think of that outcast twist? I'm curious. I remember at the time, I was like, no way, they're not doing this. Like, I didn't hate it uh-huh. at all. Um, I was like, I was disappointed they put Lil back in the game. But, you know, coming in later, hearing the story behind that, I can understand it. Now, why would, you, time, yeah, why would you be disappointed in Lil? <laughs> well, because uh, I was a fan of, like, I like Skinny Ryan. Um, I was a fan of Michelle because she was from New Jersey. Like, mm-hmm. I wanted them to be back into the game. Like, well, like why are you giving it to Lil? Ugh. <laughs> yep, I would say you were you watched the show correctly. Well done. Here's a question for you, and, and I'm not even trying to be cynical here. It's just a, an honest question. When was you know we every time we go into a new season, we have expectations or this that, and then things happen and the season ends. And I know that you know for us Survivor fans, you know, yay, we're we're happy we see a season of Survivor and it ends and all that sort of stuff. But you know, when I think back to a lot of the earlier seasons of Survivor, I can just remember just sort of a, a really magical kind of almost almost just a feeling of elation or satisfaction when a season ended. You were like, I just saw a really good season of Survivor. And is is even though I've liked certain things with some more modern seasons, it's been a long time, and I didn't even know the answer myself, about when a season has ended and I said, man, that was a really good season all around. Can uh, What would be the last season where maybe that happened to you? And I mean, I'm not even looking for a specific answer here. Just, just, just uh, what do you think? When was the last time a season ended and you were like, yes, that was amazing? Uh, I'd say that, like, the amazing part, like, I can't really say for a season as a whole, but I'd say at the end of South Pacific because I was rooting for Sophie the entire time. Mm-hmm. And when she won, I was just like, oh my god, yes! But in terms of, like, closest to an overall season feeling, that'd be Philippines. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A lot of really? people say Philippines, yeah. Mario doesn't like it because they shit on scooping. Hey. <laughs> oh. You're not, you're not supposed to mock me during the interviews. This is a poor choice of strategy. Oh, wait. Oh, did, am I not going to get the job? I'm so yeah, sorry. I'm interviewing you, too. Oh. <laughs> well, I lost. See you later, Sarah. It's been fun. <laughs> uh, let's see. I think we've we got to wrap this up pretty soon here. I, I'm sure Sarah's timing us. Have we come close to 15 minutes? <laughs> Uh, yeah. Excellent. Well, we want to make sure you give, give you your money's worth this time since we shortchanged you last time. Okay. Now, I guess to wrap up here, again, we're only interviewing six people today. And uh, what sets you apart from the rest? Why do you think you would make the best of the six people for our third historian? Mm, well, I don't even know who the other, like, five people are, so I can't really, like, you know, attack them directly. You <laughs> do, you can. Some of them will. Uh... <laughs> uh. I, I got nothing. Just say they're all shit. Come on, we want we want some some bravado out of you. 
they're all shit. Thank you. Except RJ. I love RJ. <laughs> okay. Um, you got oh, anything else? Daryl, isn't it? Sorry. Daryl. Oh, yes. Oh, Runaway good. Jared. Daryl, yes. Yeah. Uh, you got anything else for uh, Sarah, Jay? No, I'm good. I think that's it. It's been fun. Uh, I always enjoy talking to you both here and on Survivor Sucks. And uh, thank you very much for stopping by again and helping us out. Thank you for considering me in the second round here. Absolutely. And it's not just us. It's the fans, too. A lot of a lot of readers wrote in about you. Oh, my God. I was like, oh. I know. We're giving her some self-esteem. She had no self-esteem, and now she has a lot. Maybe, maybe you'll have a friend after this. <laughs> All right. If you guys would like to be Sarah's friend, please write into survivorhistorians at gmail.com and we'll pass it along to her. Yay. All right. Thank you, Sarah. Friend. Okay. Thank you. Bye. Bye-bye. Okay. And now we are here with our second of our six finalists. Welcome back from our first show, Mike Bloom. Hey, hey. Welcome back, Mike. I'm glad to be back. Thanks, guys, for having me. I have to say, out of all the segments we, out of all the segments we did for the first two shows, yours was one of my favorites to do. So I'm glad you're back. This is going to be fun. Oh, that's that's awesome! Thank you so much for the compliment. Hopefully, I can continue to build upon it. <laughs> all right, now I'm expecting some cockiness out of you. So, all right, um, I'm going to puff myself up now. All right, do you need me to leave? Do you two need a room? Oh my god! <laughs> no, Jay, you're you're you can film. <laughs> Yeah, what have I ever? Story. What have I ever hinted that I'm a voyeur of any sort? <laughs> <laughs> have you seen your profile picture, dude? What yeah, I mean it? the fact that the fact you call yourself the bearded hat guy really doesn't lend much credit to your image. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's like I drive a white van near schools. Exactly. <laughs> what Candy I, with blank I have a, <laughs> I I have a beard. I wear a hat. What is wrong with that? You are a sick fuck. <laughs> oh boy you just need all a third right. name and you're already wanted as a serial killer <laughs> <laughs> alright let's get to the interview Mike you have something that you would like to talk about you have a prepared subject What? what is it for this interview yeah so uh, the most recent season I've been rewatching is actually Nicaragua uh, and as I've been kind of watching it it's wait wait wait, wait, wait. Nicaragua which, which one 1 through 10 was that <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, uh, it was the deleted scene in uh, in seven. They kind of took a they took a day trip to Nicaragua, and I just watched it over and over again to catch all the big, all the good parts. Okay, Survivor Nicaragua. You're going a little off the timeline here, but we are more than, we are we are game here. We will play your your silly little game. Let's talk about Nicaragua. <laughs> Perfect. Well, because uh, wait, wait, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, Mike. Now, Mario, Nicaragua happened like this is Survivor twenty something, right? Like twenty one. <laughs> like, uh, do, do you know that it goes that high? I'm just going to step out for the rest of the interview. If that's <laughs> fine. If you guys would like to talk, and, and I'll, I'll be videotaping you guys. This I was going to say, you take, you take camera duties, Mario. Exactly. <laughs> you guys can argue who's going to be the Jenna Lewis, and I'll be back here with the camera. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> okay. uh, well, one, one of the reasons why I wanted to actually talk about this with you guys is because I feel like it's interesting in that if I could actually compare it to the modern seasons, I would say it's the Africa of the, of the modern seasons that is after Heroes versus Villains. Uh, basically because I feel... It's kind of divided the fan base, the really hardcore fan base. Some people absolutely love it. Some people absolutely hate it. I can't really find any people who find themselves in between. So I feel it's it's got a lot of flack that Africa had similarly, and then it's also cut a lot of popular things for in comparison to other seasons. So I would just love to talk to you guys about 
what you think it did well and how it kind of compares in terms of survivor history. Well, Mike, are you ready for my answer real quickly? I am ready. <laughs> are you ready for this? I'm ready. I'm kind of okay about it. <laughs> Rimshot. Perfect. Perfect build-up. That's like totally serious about it. Like I actually don't have a strong like or dislike toward that season. I think it actually has quite a few positives. Uh, on the whole, I think that it has a lot of things going against it as far as you know, someone putting it up as like some really solid back-to-back survivor season. But mm-hmm. uh, I can't totally trash it. I mean, I could trash it quite a bit, but I can't totally trash it. Yeah, I, I mean, I definitely definitely agree with you on that. I think I think it's more of an important Survivor season in terms of the timeline of Survivor than it is actually going back on rewatch, just because it was the first season right after this huge Heroes vs. Villains season, and it was going to be the last all-new player season we've seen in a while. So I think it has kind of a monumental effect, especially in terms of things like editing and people, and obviously the way certain facets of the game are played considering the fact that you know they're not going to have people quit beyond the jury anymore which i think is startling considering that you guys have talked about in the past how in the first you know the first eight seasons there have been quits and there have been talks of quits and there have been pseudo quits with people being asked to vote out of tribal council but i feel i feel like this was the first time that there were really substantial actions for doing that one thing I will say, I have very little to add about Nicaragua, but I happen to really like Nicaragua. I don't know it that well because I haven't gone back to do a rewatch. If you're familiar with the Funny 115, I wrote all the way up to the season right before it. So Heroes versus Villains is the last season I know real well. And I mm-hmm. kick myself every time I think about that because Nicaragua Ragua is a really funny season. There's a lot of really good moments that I wish I could have written about. And I'm a huge Fabio fan. I like Nayanka more than 99% of the Survivor fan base. <laughs> and what's interesting, I have a friend named Justin who he once described Nicaragua. He's, I'm probably going to screw this up and he's going to kill me. But I, he described it as like a parody of a Survivor season. Mm. And he's like, that's the story of the season. It's like making fun of Survivor. It's like it's the opposite of how to play Survivor. And he said, if you watch it real close, you can tell that Fabio is going to win in like the second or third episode because he's the only one that really has no business being there. And you can tell if it's a parody, then Fabio is going to win. And he nailed it. He absolutely predicted that. Mm-hmm. Speaking of Fabio, I would, I would love to talk to you guys about, you know, what between him and Natalie White and Bob Crowley, what, what do you <laughs> think of these so-called, you know, un, quote-unquote undeserving winners? How do you think that's kind of affected the modern uh, view of Survivor? Well, I was, go ahead. <laughs> no, you can, you can go. Yeah, I was just going to say, I don't really have opinions of them that much as winners other than it was funny that they won. Yeah. Like, but they get so much crap on the internet that I feel like I have to defend them just because it's, it's out of, it's like not, uh, they don't deserve the amount of crap they get. There's, no one should oh, be absolutely. angry that Bob won or Fabio won, but people are legitimately angry that they won. And, yeah. But for that reason, I kind of have to defend them. And I think it's funny that they won. It's just... You know, Survivor doesn't have one type of winner. Anybody can win in any season. It's really just a matter of what works and what the dynamics are. And and again, it's Fabio winning is funny, and it makes me enjoy that season. Mm. I think, you know, it, it, it's it's weird because, you know, when people watch a Survivor season, you know, there there are so many levels of somebody watching, you know, and, I, and I'm not saying one level is better than the other, but, you know, there are people that just are very casual, just watch the game, they just want to be entertained, right? They just want each episode for the hour that they're watching 
to be entertaining. Some people watch it with that sort of edgic look. You know, they're trying to figure out who's got the most confessionals. Do they look positive? Do they look negative? I tend to look at Survivor very narratively. You know, is there a continuing narrative through? And if there isn't, I get kind of upset. Uh, what I like about Nicaragua is uh, Nicaragua actually has a very, very strong narrative all the way through. And, you know, the narrative is don't overthink, just chill out for a while. And Fabio sort of embodies that whole thing. And, you know, I think another thing is that when, you know, a lot of people that watch Survivor, I think a lot of people that watch the show sort of imagine themselves on it. You know, maybe they've applied, maybe they haven't applied. But, you know, a lot of times they go out there and they try to think, who, how would I do? What would I do? And I think the reason that Natalie and Bob and Fabio sort of get crapped on is just more of the fact that, you know, they're either invisible uh, with the edit of, of the show or, you know, Fabio just, I mean, Fabio was not on the right side of the vote all the time. You know, blindsides were happening at Tribal Council and he's throwing his hands up going, what is going on? And, you know, like, I think that people are like, if I were on the show, I would know what's going on. I wouldn't be this dopey kid that's out there that's not, not knowing anything. And it's like, you know, you win the season you know, due to some some good moves that you made, due to a lot of luck, you know, there's a lot of factors into winning. And it's it's just interesting to me that people tend to devalue someone over another when it's like, this game has a lot of breaks to it, and the games don't play the same. And, you know, Bob and Fabio and Natalie, they did what they had to do to win. I mean, did a lot of things maybe happen outside of their control? Maybe. People tend to value those control people, but it's it's an interesting question. Yeah, and I think, I mean gonna probably get a lot of flack for saying this from the from anyone on the internet but i i would put their games up against poverty because if you you with micronesia you kind of look at the second half of the season only but you got to think about that first half of the season how immensely lucky poverty had gotten in terms of had johnny fairplay not quit had serene not decided to side with them had jonathan penner not been medevaced had kathy not quit what sort of permutations could have happened and i think that's an interesting win because you show a lot with Fabio and Bob and even with Natalie somewhat, you show a lot of luck happening or the case of other players making decisions for them. But with Parvati, for some reason, they decided not to, not to focus on that. Mm -hmm. You know, it even goes, even goes back to like the recaps for the episode when I remember specifically for the one after the Aussie boot episode, they're like, and Parvati just helped mastermind this plan to take out Aussie when it was really, even in the episode, it showed it was more serene. Yeah. So it's interesting to see kind of how they focus on that and why they decided to, all right, well, now we're just going to start pushing for poverty, which is always interesting because had that not happened, I don't think she would become this survivor icon and legend that she is today. Yeah, and I, I will admit I was always shocked when all of a sudden people said that poverty was this icon and survivor. I'm like, really? I didn't really catch that, yeah. but all of a sudden she was. Well, absolutely. <laughs> I, the, the really interesting thing is I, I mean, especially I think the big thing is women love her now and it's so weird because her first season i just remember people that i was talking to specifically women hated her because of her flirting strategy and all the sexual comments she would make and her and yule and ozzy and the proposed menage a trois in the in the Mm -hmm. hot tub so to have her come back and just kind of flip around and completely go girl power was so so weird (laughs) to watch (laughs) So you've noticed that that women on the internet seem to like Parvati as a player. I I haven't really paid attention to that. I'm just curious. Pa- Parvati and their cats, but mostly Parvati. <laughs> so so in in summary, you think that Bob and Natalie and Fabio are equals, if not better, winners than Parvati? Correct. <laughs> I would I would say so. I mean, 
you as much as you don't you want to say okay challenges don't matter as much as strategy you do have to hand it to to people like Bob and Fabio for being able to to pull out a pretty immense string of victories at the end uh, mm-hmm. and you also have to you have to give it to Natalie who played the perfect the perfect uh, number two strategy much like Amber of mm-hmm. you could, she, she's a fantastic social player she knew that, I'm sure I'm you know preaching in the choir here but she knew who she was who she decided to tangle herself up with and she thought all right I just need to kind of watch this roller coaster explode from my waiting area and uh, take my million dollar check hopefully they mm-hmm. decide to vote for me and not Mick yeah, and I, I totally agree with you on all of that. I'm just, you you were, are not going to get a lot of support from the casuals listening to the Survivor historians. <laughs> oh, absolutely. I'm, I don't expect to be showing up on Survivor Live anytime soon. <laughs> well, that's that's good. Neither are we. Um, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you, yeah, you, you, it's like you you are auditioning to be a temporary on a podcast of relative nobodies. So, you know, thumbs up to you. But, uh, you know... Yeah, I think I think it's right. I think that what a lot of people do, a lot of my strathead friends and stuff like that, you know, I think when they rank winners, which I know we've all kind of said is a dirty word, but people do it anyway. I think, you know, the, w- when you look at somebody like Natalie and Fabio and even Parvati and Micronesia, you know, the, a lot of times the game happens sort of around them. And yeah, some of the things that happened to them were incredibly lucky. They were fortunate to have things bounce their way. Then some things happened that they did have control over, and they did make right decisions down the road. So, you know, Bob Bob won some immunities. Fabio won those immunities at the end. And, you know, he didn't have to do much, and he was all the, there at the final five or final four, and he just had to win a couple. And he did, and that helped him win. And, you know, I think that, you know, you don't... It shouldn't be diminished, and I, and I guess the thing is, is that it isn't diminished. But I think people look at other players, such as you know perhaps Yule or Kim Spradlin or you know Todd from from China, and you know just players like that that you know took a more active role in things. And it's not saying that active is better than passive. That's not what I'm trying to say. I just think that I think when people try to value winners, it's just a matter of okay, the game has X number of moves or non moves in it. How many is something that you are actively affecting, and how many things are just going on around you? And you know you you know you you can you can have lucky things happen to you, and then you can have things happen where maybe you're kind of allowing a, a ball to bounce away from you, you know, a, a more deflecting kind of thing. But I think people sort of value a more active, I guess, strategy than than perhaps a passive one as far as moves made. Yeah, and I it it, it totally goes back to what uh, you guys were saying before about how people watching. I think it was you, Jay, saying people kind of watching from home want to if they ever want to get on the show, we want to they want to play like that active player you look at all these cast bios for all these season upon season they say who do you who do you think your game is most like and everyone says poverty everyone says boston rob everyone says ozzy we got a few malcolms here and then but truth be told someone's got to be that francesca you know <laughs> somebody has to be that chet uh so it's it's interesting just because everyone thinks they are and wants to be those top players and i guess that's the reason why they're brought on in this in the first place is because they kind of have that will but it's always I always find myself rooting for those those other players that that throw them uh, like Spencer for the from this most recent season, for example, said he was a combination of I think it was Rob Sesternino, uh, Marty, and Yul Kwan or some something like that. It was just the the oddest mixture of people, but it's truer to who he is as a person. Mm-hmm. Marty's not a bad pick. I I enjoyed Marty in uh, in Nicaragua, and uh, I you know if they're bringing all these people back, why aren't you bringing Marty back? He'd be a good one to bring back. 
Yeah, the the only argument that would be against him is that he was 11th place, but now that they're bringing back Francesca and they're bringing back people like Monica Culpepper, there really is no excuse, and he's <laughs> most likely, you know, jumping at, jumping at the, chopping at the bit, ready to go in. That's right, we're the one podcast not afraid to take digs at Monica Culpepper. Ah, she's a nice person, Mario. <laughs> Haven't you ever met a nice person before? Yeah, isn't it neat? Was it a neat lady? Neat, neat, something, some weird jargon like that (laughs) (laughs) all right we got to wrap this up pretty soon here so in summary uh why we have we're again we're down to six people why should we pick you over the other five what do they not have that you do have i feel like i have a good this is going to be a weird statement but i feel like i have the qualities of you paul and jay all kind of combined is that the three of you concocted some sort of test tube baby and then that baby got bar mitzvahed and that's, I, I am that shy. I, I feel like I, I meld well with your comedic styles, and I think uh, I, I can talk well about the seasons. I have a good knowledge of everything. I know I didn't talk about it today, but I, I really do enjoy All-Stars for what it is. Surprisingly, not one of my least favorite seasons, so I would love to come on and, and defend it a little bit. And I just feel like, you know, as much as I, as much as I am not a woman and I am straight. I feel like I can somehow re- I can somewhat represent those those uh those factions well. I do have a, a great knowledge of musical theater and <laughs> I feel like we can we can talk about the attractive males on Survivor from an objective perspective. There are well, many sil- silver foxes on Survivor that have graced the screen. <laughs> I was just going to say on the couple of the last interviews people said that there's no gay perspective on Survivor on uh, historians. I'm like there's really not much of a straight perspective either cuz Jay and I are not really not the straightest of straight guys around. So I think Absolutely. You'd, you'd fit in real well. Yeah, I I totally agree. I think we I think we can all take different aspects of our personalities and kind of apply them to the game and that's what it's all about. Yeah, there really isn't a there are gay contestants, but there really isn't a, a necessary gay perspective. No offense to if you bring on anyone with a gay perspective in the uh, finalists afterwards, but that's just what I personally feel. All right, Mike's calling you guys out. <laughs> Come at me, bros. <laughs> all right, uh, you got anything else for uh, Mike, Jay? Nope, I think he just said it all. <laughs> I think you did. We should leave it on that. Thank you very much, Mike. You did great. Okay, welcome back. And now we have our third interview finalist for the historian's apprentice this is uh, a favorite from our first show he got a lot of uh feedback from the listeners a lot of people requested him to come back for the finals and he is here this is our old friend elon dubrovsky hey guys i didn't know that that's great i like to build you up so now we can tear you down yeah they also said they also said put on a nice shirt my god you're sloppy (laughs) (laughs) sorry about that guys yes you are one of our six finalists and uh welcome back it's good to have you on again yeah, I'm excited. Like, so are we going to talk Survivor right away, or do you want to have a bit of small talk first? We got 15 minutes, so it's up to you. You choose, right, I'm, choose wisely. <laughs> I'll just take the reins then. Okay, go was, for it. I was thinking maybe today we could talk about um, some rules for how to not lose Survivor. So, uh-huh. like, you know, the famous rules that Philip introduced in Survivor Caramo and the BR rules, he was talking about, you know, that's the way to win, right? You make an alliance, you make a sub-alliance, you betray someone in your alliance— and I was thinking, like, you know, this is a pretty advanced survivor strategy and one that's very difficult to execute and definitely not one that's required to win the game. You know, like, it's one way to win, but there are some other common ways, including being a challenge dominator like Jenna, Tom, and Fabio, or, like, flying under the radar like Sandra or Bob or Natalie, I guess. Mm-hmm. 
So I was thinking maybe for my final Survivor Historians boardroom, I'd use my time to deliver a PSA to any future survivors that is like much easier to follow. So instead of rules to win the game, I call this the five E-dub rules for how to not lose Survivor. <laughs> now, you're, you're saying this would be easier to understand than Philip's logic? <laughs> well, to be fair, <laughs> Philip's strategy that he presented is a very advanced and you know, complicated, and if executed well, a very great strategy. I'm, Philip himself wasn't able to execute this strategy to a win, but I think it's pretty amazing if you could do it, but it requires a lot of deception and a lot of really strong self-awareness. I'd agree with that. All right, let's, let's hit the E-dubs five-point plan here. All right, so these are rules that should be easy enough to follow, that even if you have no strategy at all, you should at least get past the first few episodes. Okay. So number one, let's start super basic. Don't be the bossy one at camp. And I, honestly, I can't believe this still happens 28 seasons in. Like, are we allowed to talk spoilers from last week's episode? Uh, yeah, you, you can, but keep in mind, people might listen to this episode five years down the road, so huh. it won't be topic. It won't be last week's episode anymore. But yeah, it won't be it. topical anymore. But I just saw it right last week. The Jatia was there, bossing people around, and of course, everyone's rolling their eyes. They're playing the mu- the idiot music, mm-hmm. and you know, I think it's pretty obvious that this person never wins. And it seems like if you think you have a better way to build the shelter. There's probably like a careful way to suggest it in a friendly manner, or even better, you know, just keep it yourself and let someone else get the eye rolls. And I think some. Go ahead. No, I think that's very strong. And I think that's because that was a question that came up uh, with some people, and they said, why didn't uh, people really question Jatia in episode one of Survivor 28, uh, Kageyan, Brains, Bronze, Beauty? But uh, (laughs) they they said, why didn't people challenge her? And I said, well, if someone's being a total jerk the first couple of days at camp, why are you going to out-jerk the jerk? You just put your head down and let them be a jerk. Yeah, exactly. I imagine getting voted out first would be the worst thing in the world. And so if someone else is doing the job for you, then why take it away from them? Yeah, I mean, this is good. I, I like that you're framing this as you know things you shouldn't do. And I mean, it, it sort of parallels, I mean, not to say that I'm all wise and everything, but it's things that we've talked about on this podcast uh, in the past, you know, just in the fact of, you know, if you need to gauge your tribe when you get there. Don't be the, I guess, don't be the bossy one is in, in a lot of ways. If you're on a tribe and everybody's working, you should work. Or if you're on a tribe and everyone's laying around on the beach sunning themselves, you should probably go lay on the beach and sun yourselves. Like, don't be that, you know, opposite person and then yell at people for being, you know, mm-hmm. sort of a, a negatory in a way. Yeah, that's exactly right, Jay. Like, people do it every year. Actually, that was going to be my rule number two, so we might as well get into it. Yeah, if other people are working, you should do work. Don't be the person who's sitting around lazy. Yeah, and again, that follows in what Jay said, that if people are not working, don't work. Like, a lot of people give Jenna Maraska flack for, like, stuff she did in Amazon, but that's why she became one of the cool kids, because she laid around like the other ones did. So, I mean, that's part of the social game. Do what everybody else is doing. Yeah, it makes sense. And if you really feel like there's some work that needs to be done, you know, maybe put your head down and, and do it. You don't have to show off or try to stand out in any way. Mm-hmm. All right, let's go to rule number three then. Be nice to people even if you don't like them. And of course, <laughs> <laughs> and obviously this leads to all the fun drama in the show. But, you know, you see it every season. Like someone's annoyed at you and instead of grinning and bearing it, you turn it into a big thing and making yourself a target. Like, we actually saw this again last week with Trisha and Lindsay, which are two people, my guess, I'm, I'm guessing no one will remember in even a couple of weeks, <laughs> let alone five years from now. <laughs> now, wait a minute. The, I have some devil's advocate on this one, the always be nice to people, even if you don't like them. Like, some people like Sandra, 
is just not nice to people. <laughs> and and people just accept that because that's Sandra. They're like, well, that's Sandra. They know she's not being decept- deceptive because that's what she's like. So, well, well I, I see that in theory be nice to people. In some cases, if your personality is just abrasive, if you're actually not nice to people, it seems like it's you're, you're not hiding anything. Like, I see what you mean, Mario, but come on. Sandra is like a special example. She's yeah, a special exactly. flower. Like, she is. How- how many other people can get away with telling people to fuck off and them going, oh, wow, she's so cute. I like her. She's fun. She's funky. No, that's great. It's an excellent rebuttal. But yeah, Sandra is kind of a unique case. And mm-hmm. we, could, we could have a whole podcast on that. But yeah, that's, maybe, that, that's right. Well, maybe you could parse it to be consistent in your res- responses to people. I mean, I'm not saying go out there and be mean to everyone on purpose. And you say, well, that's consistent. I was consistently mean to everyone. But I mean, that's that's the thing with Sandra, right? Like Sandra didn't change her tune for anybody, right? Like, you know, she was she was cursing at you. She was cursing at this person. She was, you know, she was just going off on everything. And it's like if you're nice to some people and then you don't like somebody being objectively you know, different to them versus everyone else could create, you know, some sort of controversy around camp. Well, yeah, for sure. But I mean, I'm sure we'd have trouble coming up with five people who were assholes all the time and got away with it like Sandra. No, did. no, I'm totally with you, man. That yeah. Sandra is a, is a total exception and not the rule. I'm, I'm totally with you on this be nice to people thing. But on the other side, there's some people who have done that really well, right? Like, I remember Johnny Fairplay, you know, with Rupert being so nice to him, even though he's insulting him all the time in the confessionals, or, or Sophie with Coach, or Cochran with the specialist. It was hilarious seeing him roll his eyes in the background, but like sucking up to him so much. Like if you could do that well, you could get really far. Just suck up to the people that annoy you. And if you really don't like them, just blindside them. <laughs> is that rule four? No, okay. Rule four is going to be don't tell someone you're going to vote them off. <laughs> ah, well, that's very topical after this week, yes. I know. That's You know what? That's how I came up with talking about this. I was watching this last episode. I'm like, this is like Survivor 101 for what not to do. And you'll notice last week, you know, the person was told twice that she was going to get voted off, and both times it didn't happen. So it's not very effective. And, of course, there was Laura last season with Vetus, and that also got her voted out. Yeah. Well, I, I always remember Lex when this comes up, because Lex mm. was really bad at that. This is like his fatal flaw that Lex ha- is too honest for his own good. But and you yeah, know what? <laughs> Sorry. I was just going to say, yeah, it comes back and bites him because people hate him for it. Yeah, but I was almost, almost going to say that Lex is like an example for this because at least when he was doing it, he didn't get voted out himself. Like he would tell Ethan or, you know, Colby, I'm voting you out. And they actually did get voted out. And usually that just leads to the person saying it getting voted out. So you have to give Lex, I guess, some credit for being able to say it and actually follow through. Yeah, I'm. Go ahead. I'm not going to give Lex credit that, but what I will what I will give Lex credit for is that, you know, with the early seasons, obviously, you know, with the paradigm shifts in the game, Lex is just kind of caught in a shift, right? Because you see in Survivor Australia, like they had that whole scene, like we didn't even talk about it that much in Survivor Historians, and I don't want to get into like a huge tangent about it, but that one, uh, like when they voted out Roger. Right. Like Tina goes up and talks to Roger and is basically like, well, we're going to vote out either you or Elizabeth. And, you know, placement involves money. And Roger is basically like, I'm totally loaded. You can vote me out. Keep her in the game. She'll get more money that way. And I mean, it's a scene. But, you know, we can talk about, you know, the nice pragmatism of Tina and, you know, how selfless Roger is. But like, here's a scene where Tina's like, our alliance is going to vote you out. And Roger's mm-hmm. like, mm-hmm, I'm going to be voted out. And it's like Lex is in the next season, right? So it's like if Lex knows that he's got the alliance and the numbers advantage, he's like, yeah, I can tell someone they're getting voted out. Like, no way that they're going to scramble and things are going to flip around and all that sort of stuff. And it's like, that doesn't fly in Modern Survivor because people yeah. now know the game and know that you can flip around. 
Yeah, Although exactly. That's like probably one of the core differences between old and new survivors. Back right. then, once you had an alliance, you know, you're golden. You don't have to even worry about it. No one's going to scramble and get someone to flip on you. Mm-hmm. I was going to say that there's probably something in there that Tina and Lex were also both very well respected. So no one really wanted them out that much. That's kind of, I think, the difference there. Right. Mm-hmm. They're, they're not saying this on day two. You know, yeah. they're, they're, you know they've, they've established some rapport in the game. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. And also, once you're in the final five and you have a solid three-person alliance, it's obviously a lot easier to do it then than, you know, last week with Cass or um, back when Laura Bonham did it to Vetus. Yeah, that is, that is very, very true. All right, so what's so number five? All right, the final rule, I'm sure you guys would guess this if I gave you a couple minutes, but if someone offers you an alliance, what do you say? Yes. Yes. Uh, <laughs> obviously, like, <laughs> the way crazy. I see it, yeah, yeah, yeah. Christie's the perfect example the of what rule. not to do. <laughs> yes, you could call it the Christie rule. You could call it the uh, Fat Five Alliance rule from mm-hmm. Vanuatu, or the because... Penner rule. Oh my God, just so many people that blow it. And it seems gonna... like. Go ahead. Uh, I was just going to say, like you know, it seems like you have nothing to lose by saying yes, and you have everything to lose by saying by saying no. It just makes no sense. Yeah, to me, this is, I mean, Christie is the, pr- the prime candidate for that. You see exactly why this doesn't work. If you, someone says you want to be in an alliance, you say, I don't know, maybe, then they're just not going to be real happy. And, and the way I've, I've described this over the years is, is the Ghostbusters rule. If somebody mm-hmm. asks you if you're a god, you say yes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And yeah, so that's pretty ba- So yeah, that's pretty much my rules. So I think like anyone who follows these rules can make it decently far in Survivor, even if they're an idiot. Now, are there are there are there rules for are there is there rules for denim? Can we tack onto this, or is this just a hard and fast five? <laughs> As like a constitution, can we add on some extra stuff? Right. Oh, what do you have to offer? Well, number six is don't be Russell. Don't be Russell. Well, <laughs> Russell was going to be actually an example I would bring up for being nice to people even if you don't like them. <laughs> and I read your Mario. I read your uh, entry into the funny one fifteen about how Russell, you know actively went about losing the game in Heroes vs. Villains. And I think that he could have won. Like, he played a good game in some ways. Like, he was making good moves, but he couldn't help just tearing people down if he didn't like them and thought they were dumb or thought they were annoying. Like, that scene with Rupert. Yeah. Like, was that really necessary to call him an idiot? Yeah, that's Russell in a nutshell. He knows somebody's going home, so he's going to just shit-talk them right to their face right before they leave. Classic right. Russell. Mm-hmm. And then he says there's a flaw in the game, of yeah. course. He's a great strategist, though. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, well, because Russell only knows one one thing. He just he's a pot stirrer, right? So like he stirs the pot and he does it to a ma- a master level. But it's like once the pot's been stirred and everything's going on, he keeps stirring the pot. And you're like, you can stop now. You you can you can literally stop now. And that's fine. I guess my my add on to you know, be less funny than don't be Russell, which is hilarious. Mine would be, oh man, I totally just had it and now I've blanked. Never mind. I don't have an, I don't have a seventh one. Rule number uh, seven is write down your points before you try to make them. <laughs> yeah, right. there's that. <laughs> who was that person who had everything written down? Was it Vesepia? Vesepia. The one who, yeah, she's the one who broke, broke Fallen Comrades because she wrote everything down. Oh, no, I do remember. Okay, sorry. <laughs> it was, uh, and it's something that I've, I've mentioned on the show before. It's if you are actually the swing vote in a, in a voting block, don't tell everybody. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> it's the big Tom rule. It's, it's the big yeah. Tom rule, Dolly and Vanuatu. Like there are a lot of people that are like, you know, I'm caught in the middle between you two factions. Oh, really? Well, you need to go. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. I think that also works with Christie. So Christie factors into a couple of these rules. Yep. Absolutely. 
Right, Christy is like Russell, who's like Shamar, who also could have fallen for a couple of these rules, like <laughs> yes. being lazy at camp and yelling at people. <laughs> but yeah, right. hey, let me ask you then, speaking of Russell, or how much time do we have? I guess I gotta go? If you're gonna trash Russell, I'll, Russell, I'll give you another minute. <laughs> Boom, okay. Well, actually, I was just gonna ask, you know, Russell obviously would never have a chance to win if he played again, because everyone knows who he is. But how do you think he would do, let's say, if he played ten times and no one knows who he is in each time, like how, how good of a survivor player do you think he is with, with complete strangers? It pains me to say this, but I will answer this honestly and say he actually did pretty well in Samoa and he came awfully close to winning. Mm-hmm. So I would have to say if you just repeat, if he repeated his Samoa game 10 times, he would probably win a couple of them. And I hate to say that just because I've written so much about how he sucks over the years, but I think that's the reality. He came closer than I like to give him credit for in Samoa, even though, yeah. even though he lost by his own hand. Yeah, I totally agree. I think, like, you know, there's definitely lots of reasons why he lost, but also at the same time, you can't deny that he has this, like, charming way of getting people to do what he wants. But then, of course, he shits on them once he doesn't need them anymore, and that's the problem when it comes to the finals. Well, you know, he gets his way because beautiful people have that kind of charm. Yeah, of course. (laughs) I think that, I mean, I would would give this answer, though. I mean, I I don't necessarily disagree with what was said there. I think, though, that Russell had a lot of things bounce his way in that thing. And I'm not even going to talk about like producer interaction or blah, 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 but he did get a lot of immunity idols his way and he needed them as, as opposed to other people that got idols and, you know, either used them as leverage or didn't need them. He did have a lot of things bounce his way. He did go into the Mm -hmm. merge at an extreme disadvantage and had a lot of situations work his way. And I, you know, some of it he orchestrated and some of it was just things that, that happened well around him that, that were out of his control. I would say, though, if he plays the game 10 times, I think he wins a, a game or so. Like, I'm not going to say he gets shut out of all 10, but uh, to say he would have a favorable winning streak in, in any of that, I would say no way, because he would get himself outed in some way. It's right. amazing because the flaw in the game, that means it would be fixed for two of those games. It would fix itself, and then it would break again. <laughs> right. <laughs> all right. Um, yeah, I think well, that's just about it for time, Elon. Uh, b- before we go... We're interviewing six people today. You're the number three of our six. Again, why should we pick you over the other five? What do you have that nobody else has? All right. Well, I know what I don't have. Unfortunately, I'm not gay, so I know that puts me at a big disadvantage. (laughs) I don't have the gay perspective. I'm Jewish. Maybe I have a Jewish perspective that I can offer. Um, Well, a non-practicing Jew, I don't know if that helps. I give the Ethan perspective to some extent. So, 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 yeah, would would you eat the ham is basically the... Uh, yeah, I would eat the ham, and I would also be the Tom celebrating if I had someone that wasn't eating the ham. Excellent. That's all we can ask for, really. Mm-hmm. No, but just, like, what I have to offer is, you know, I just have a lot of fun talking to you guys, and I think that we would put together some fun shows, and, yeah, I guess, you know, what I have to offer is just what I've presented so far. I'll try to come up with fun things to talk about, and I'll try to bounce off you and just have a good time. All right. Uh, that's it for me. You got anything else, Jay? Nope. Sounds good. All right, thanks a lot, Edub. Again, that was Elon Dubrovsky, who uh, runs the Science Podcast also. Right, yeah. And yeah, I, I, got, I caught some flack by one of the other contestants, who I'm guessing is probably in the finals because he was really good, but saying people who talked about their other podcasts. So I'll not do any plugs in this episode. Oh, come on. It's I all about just, Survivor Historians. I'll give you one chance to talk crap about that guy. Oh, <laughs> uh, you know, like, maybe I wouldn't be good, or maybe I would be good at Survivor. I don't really like talking crap about people unless, you know, I'm never going to meet them like other Survivor players. He's following his podcast. rules, Mario. He's following his rules. <laughs> well done. Yeah. What if you bring him on the podcast one day? I'll be screwed. What if I brought him on and you? Would you guys be in an alliance with me? 
Of course. Thank yes. you. There you go. Oh, that was the test. We, we are just following rules left and right today. I love it. Mm-hmm. All right. Thanks, Eli. All right. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. Talk to you later. Bye. Bye. We now have our fourth of our six finalists for the Historian's Apprentice. Uh, this guy was in our second show. Uh, absolutely one of my favorites. He got a lot of uh, feedback from the audience. A lot of listeners liked him. Uh, welcome back, Chris Penberthy. Hi, Mario. Hi, Jay. Thank you very much for saying I got a lot of feedback and not clarifying what kind I got. So, I just said, yeah, people did recognize your name. <laughs> there you go. It's you know, I, I, I elicit emotions from people. That's exactly. something. I thought I we give had... pe- I give people the feels. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so I've been told you have a list you uh, are what you would like to share with us here in your last uh, interview. Yes. Um, so after uh, listening back to my previous interview, I talked to one of my very good friends, uh, and he is not a Survivor fan. So I thought he would be a good person to kind of give me some good feedback on uh, you know the things that I could improve if I was uh, called back for another interview. And he said, you know, don't take this the wrong way but you're a little way too nice and a little way too enthusiastic about everything that you do. He said, you know, next time if you came on the show for another time, I want to hear you criticize something without it make without it sounding like, you know, my mom whenever she tries to criticize me for something. So, I uh, thinking about it, you know, there's nothing more entertaining to me than people who are really really angry about stuff. So, I have a list of the three things that make uh, uh, that make me most angry about Survivor. So, three things that over the past few years that I've really thought about that really make me angry about the show. Now, can, now ang- angry, angry in the sense of like, oh, this is the incorrect side dish for my dinner, or angry as in like, I'm about to just be in, you know, I'm about to turn green and wear purple pants and, you know, rage out on people. Yeah, it's, um, I, lots of purple shades, my, my face will turn whenever I start talking about these things. You'll, I'll probably start to hear me repeat a few words, uh, a la Krista, whenever she gets nervous on camera. <laughs> so, uh, so hopefully, uh, this will. This will make me show a different side of me rather than the really super enthusiastic, I love everything person that I was the last time. I don't know what you're talking about. I, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> I can hear the rage in your voice already. You're start- I already. I hear a little Sam Kinison starting up. There you go. There you go. Okay, uh, Chris, what is your list? <laughs> so I'm going to start with number three and work my way backwards. So, oh my God. Number three is season long twists that include the word island (laughs) could you be more specific please so specifically if you really want me to exile island and redemption island two of the worst things that have ever happened with the show survivor and i know it you know it all starts back with uh survivor palau and whenever you have stephanie after she survives the whole oolong catastrophe and she's by herself and i'm sure you know the producers are sitting there watching it thinking oh this is great tv so then later the season, you know, they decide to do it again with Janu mm-hmm. whenever they send her onto Exile Island. I think that episode was even titled Exile Island, if I'm not mistaken. And I don't think that was anywhere close to entertaining. If anything, it was really scary because uh, the longer Janu stayed there and whenever she started to make the fire, I think she almost thought that she was a god that you know created the fire and then she started doing her weird dance. And I know she was a Vegas showgirl and everything, but you know it was it's not Cirque du Soleil, it's Survivor. So then once we get to Exile Island and they start showing all of the different clips of the uh, people that eventually go to Exile Island, 
I just, I don't understand who in the right mind thought that was a good idea. The thing that makes Survivor special is watching the social, social interactions between all these people. So you take a person and put them by themselves on an island. It just absolutely blew my mind. And basically every single episode with that had an exile island feature, you know, and give or take the last temptation of coach, as I like to call the final exile island, uh, appearance, it was, Person goes to Exile Island, they moan and whine for two minutes about why they're cold and wet. They say, oh, I have to find this idol or I might be voted out. Jump forward to Redemption Island, and it's the same thing, only worse, because you're spending more time with these people. It's the exact same people. They get whinier and whinier and whinier as the season goes on. And particularly, and I'm sure he's a nice guy, but Matt Elrod annoyed the crap out of me during the redemption island season it's if i wanted to hear a person sit there and you know whine about how horrible things are and how god will make them uh, stronger i would just friend brandon hans on facebook (laughs) so that is what i hate about season-long twists that have the word island in them any thoughts uh i just don't want to get in your way you sound so upset i don't want (laughs) you to rip my head off here all right but chris Janu found herself on, on, on Exile Island, Chris. Yeah, found herself long enough to be coaxed into quitting by probes. But if we ever get there, you know, I, we can talk a little bit more about that. I would just say I agree, I agree with you. I, I've never been a fan of Exile Island. I hate Redemption Island even more. So, uh, so far you're picking off some very low-hanging fruit. Okay. Uh, I'll get into another one here. My, 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 my number one's very specific, and it, it will elicit a lot of rage here. But number two is... Lynn Spillman or whoever in casting thinks that pretty young women are entertaining. Ah. Every single season. <laughs> and occasionally there are a few interesting ones in there, but every season, particularly these last, like I would say 10 or so seasons, they keep on casting these, you know, beauty queens, these models, whoever, who have absolutely no personality whatsoever. And really, even with the returning players, they find these people who, you know, the, the young pretty girl, quote, I guess they're trying to fill some sort of a quota. Cause, and I know that they want to see, you know, the young people, People in the bathing suits on a beach. I'm sure that gets you know a few viewers here and there, but none of them have been really entertaining at all. With Kara Moen being really you know the top of the charts with horrible, horrible casting with the female side of things, and I just you think back to some of the early seasons where you have people. I like just think back to Kathy, think to Sue Hawk, think to Helen. All these people who are a little bit older and had so much personality gave so much to the season, and I don't know who in casting would think that these young people who have no life experience would make good TV at all. And why they keep on bringing them back, it makes no sense either, because I went through and did a little bit of math with these fan favorite awards that they were doing the last few years, and I know they didn't do it with Blood vs. Water, but they announced 38 uh, like finalists for these awards. Um, only one person, only one young woman under the age of 30 ever won any fan favorite award across all the seasons. Only eight of those 38 were under the age of 30, and even a few of them were by default. It's like Brenda Lowe, I don't think she was actually a fan favorite. I think that was just the timing of her episode being voted out. 
It just makes no sense to me. And there's so many great, great, great players that were of the older demographic that they have not brought back yet that I really think would show a little bit more diversity with the show. In particular, I think the biggest travesty that they have never brought back was Twyla Tanner for Survivor Vanuatu. If I got the chance to talk about her, I, she, would be, she would be my butch, Jay. I would just talk and talk and talk about her. Now, what's funny is you you blame Lynn Spillman and like the casting department for all this, but this really isn't new. I mean, I remember back in All Stars how you know there was a chance they could have cast Helen or T Bird or one of these people who were like a legit All Star who was interesting, mm-hmm. and then the logic was, well, no, the viewers want to see a pretty girl in a bikini, so they just automatically cast Amber. Yeah, well, yeah, in, in in a way, you're making like a point and then a not point because you're saying like you know bikini women are not interesting and you know what about kathy and stuff like that but then you just brought up the point that they're not winning awards because they're getting voted out early and i'm thinking back to marquesas where kathy was the story of the season and poor sarah jones is out in the first couple episodes you know so i mean you know it it seems like this is something that has just been in survivor yeah Yeah, it's but even like whenever you go back to all-stars there were some of these younger women that they were a lot more interesting than people like amber than you know whoever else they cast on the show that uh like in particular i was thinking like put kelly uh wigglesworth on there i know she's not like you know the young woman the bikini but especially if you're going with all-stars she was a part of the single biggest survivor moment of all time why wouldn't you bring someone like her back? I would even argue Penny Ramsey would have been so much more entertaining, and especially since they didn't have very many people from Survivor Thailand. It would have been so much better than someone like Amber. Yeah, no, I, no one's going to disagree with you. <laughs> yeah, and then my number one thing that makes me the most angry about Survivor, and I know, Mario, you're probably not going to like me for this, but my number one item is Jenna Lewis. I'm trying to figure out why you would think I would hate that. Oh, it's because uh, I, I know that you were supporting her for a little while back whenever you were uh, writing, I guess in the initial days of Survivor yeah. All-Stars. But it's just every little thing that she did during All-Stars drove me absolutely <laughs> insane. It's it's not that I hate her as a player. I think that she's you know actually one of the better players that came out of Survivor All-Stars. I just... Hey, I guess I hate her as a person. So don't hate her as a player, hate her as a person. And just the first three episodes of All-Stars, I have a little list of things here that she did that just completely drove me nuts. Um, number one of which, was she wore a visor instead of a baseball cap whenever she came on the show. Like Because she's a 12-year-old from 1982, that made no sense to me who would actually bring a visor instead of a full cap to Survivor. And again... Really, everything annoyed me about her. Then she thought Jerry would be a good alliance partner. She couldn't swim during the first immunity challenge. She voted out Tina, and she voted out Rudy. She stuck her face in a fire uh, whenever it was starting to uh, blaze there. She gloated to Ethan that he was the next to go, and she allowed Rupert to dig a hole for their shelter. And those are just the first three episodes <laughs> of Survivor All-Stars. And get deep into the season, I could go even more in detail on why she annoys the crap out of me. I don't think you're going to find too many defenders out there that love Jenna Lewis, to be honest. See, I, there's a lot of my friends who actually really like Jenna Lewis. Is that because of her home movie? Uh, you know, it might have a little bit to do with it. I I always said that she was a bit of a fame whore, so I, I, maybe it goes into a couple different ways there. Yeah, no, I don't. I don't, 
I don't know, Chris. I mean, it seems like she's really nice and hardworking and, you know, she would, she would play by the rules and, and, you know, like if she lost at something, she wouldn't complain and mm-hmm. she and her family members wouldn't yeah, try her, to cheat at anything. Right yeah, no, I mean, yeah. No, I was, she's, I was a big, really a work hard, play hard though. <laughs> I was going to say I was a big Jenna Lewis supporter for being cast in the first place. I thought that she was an excellent pick because they needed someone from Borneo and she was kind of the one Pagong that had a little fight to her. However, keep in mind that she also got rid of Tina, my all-time favorite player. So I'm not mm-hmm. that big a fan of Jenna Lewis. <laughs> well, and it's, I'm sure there's, there's an interesting story with her since from what I've heard you know, on the message boards and everything that she had, she had dated quite a few previous survivors, not the least of which being Ethan. So I'm sure she had a big old chip on her shoulder going into All-Stars and seeing Ethan on that tribe. I can't can't imagine what it would be like for her, but that really just set the precedent for that whole season and yeah. why why looking back on the show, I you know I liked I liked All Stars whenever it first was re, uh, released, but it, over the last few years, really just have grown to despise every part of it. I think it's because Jenna Lewis is playing exactly what you're kind of talking about because. You know, I would posit, and I'm going to posit it on uh, the Survivor Historians All Stars podcast, is that you know when people look at all, think of All Stars, and they try to think of a villain for that season. You know, a lot of times Rob and Lex come up because the Rob versus Lex battle is kind of like the central crux of things that are going on in that in that thing. But to me, it's like you know, even though Rob you know comes out on top in that argument, you know the fan base gets divided as to either you're on Rob's side or on Lex's side. And because of that, and I think the, that the storytellers knew that you have to kind of have someone something else that is just kind of flat out, not nice or evil sort of the whole season. And it's Jenna, it's Jenna all the way to the end, just, mm-hmm. you know, doing everything. So like really the, she votes of the out, season. yeah, voting out Rupert, the favorite, the little fight she gets in, uh, about the plantains. Mm-hmm. Like they had that, they had that storyline all throughout the season mm-hmm. and, and you can you can definitely see that they were trying to throw in somebody else to take some of the heat off of Boston Rob as they were going along. Exactly. And Jenna Lewis, I think, you know, and, and the fact that I think that that the whole let's pick off the winner strategy is it was something that was very viable and was going to go into that season. And it's like if it's somebody else, you know, if it's Kathy or if it's Sheehan or if it's, you know, Alicia or somebody saying we need to get these winners out. I don't think it's very palatable. But the fact that it's Jenna Lewis going on the TV going, we need to get the winners out. I mean, it's like you're like, oh, I hate her. Oh, but, you know, it, it was kind of the perfect character to do so. Yeah, to me, I, to me, it was an obvious strategy. I think everybody going into that season really didn't think any of the winners had a chance, which is, again, why the casting was so bad. They they should have tried to bring back every single winner. And I know Sandra turned it down. I know there is problems with Heidek, but like the Sepia not being on there it really could have helped the winners as a whole. Had they had a little bit of a bigger group going into the season, you know, they might've been a little bit more viable and CBS might've not lost all of their big name stars within those first eight episodes. Yeah, and, and there's, of course, a rumor out there, just to, since you mentioned Vesepia, that she didn't get cast because she was pregnant. And that's absolutely not true at all. She never even got called. They didn't want her. So, yeah, yeah it's just a crock. They just they threw some of their winners to the dogs. And I've, and I've heard her say that on Rob Has a Podcast. And, again, it just makes no sense to me why they wouldn't at least try to get every single one of their winners on an all-star season. Yeah, they didn't even want for Heidek either. I mean, that's the other thing he... There's that story that he wanted an appearance fee, but they didn't even want him in the first place, so it didn't matter what appearance fee he demanded. Yeah. All right. Uh, yeah, we got to wrap this up here. Um, 
Okay, last thing before uh, you go. We have six people we're talking to today. Uh, everyone has done a great job. You made some good points. You had a good speech. You got incredibly angry there. Uh, what sets you apart from the other five candidates? Why should we hire you to replace the beloved Paul? It's, uh, you know, I think I've shown a little bit of versatility with my interviews here. I started off as the fun-loving, you know, I love everything about Survivor guy, but I am also really obviously willing to criticize the show, even though I I love a, a part of it and it formed a good portion of the things that happened in my life. It's not something that I can't, can't look at objectively. So, you know, especially going with some of these seasons where it gets a little bit more temperamental um, with my media studies background. Background. I have the undergrad work in film studies and I have my master's in media literacy and it's it's what I did for the past six years of my life is really just analyzing these um, these kinds of shows and trying to figure out you know why it was that they made these certain decisions in the editing and just because I think I think I would have a great time doing it it's been so much fun just doing these two interviews with you guys you know I, I can't even imagine what it would be like to talk about an entire episode with you. All right. Yeah. You got anything else, Jay? No, I think that's a good way to end it. All right. Thank you uh, very much, Chris. We'll talk uh, to you thanks later. Thanks for having me back, guys. Really appreciate it. Good luck in your decision. Thanks. Bye. Okay. And now, welcome back. We have our fifth interviewee of the evening. Uh, this is uh, someone who got a lot of positive feedback from the uh, list from their listeners. I believe she was on our first show of the two we did. Uh, welcome back, Kristen Sauceville. Hi, great to be back. And uh, I like the uh, second to last spot. It seemed like it worked out pretty well last time. So fingers crossed that it's a good spot for me this time too. All right. You were without question one of the more popular people uh, among the listeners. We got a lot of feedback for you. Uh, which was the, Does that surprise you that people are, are behind you on this? Um, it's It was a very pleasant surprise. Um, it just I was just kind of blown away when I saw everything that people were saying and that I really seemed to kind of make a connection with people. And it it feels really good to have people in my corner. Now, why do they think, why do you think they, they liked you so much? I'm going to put you on the spot here. What, what do you think, make, what appeals to you about people? Uh, what appeals to people about you? Um, I, th- I think that they liked that I offer a unique perspective, both as a woman and as somebody who was in the spoiler community. I think that that made people really curious as to what can I provide that's different that other people can't. Apparently, you can provide them boot lists. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, it's funny. I know. I got the All-Stars boot list right here. Spoiler alert. <laughs> It's funny, we got a couple, some criticism from people that said, well, whoever you hire, don't hire Kristen because she's a spoiler. She'll spoil these seasons. I'm like, we're fucking talking about seasons from 10 years ago. She can't possibly spoil them. I know, it was me. I I, uh, actually, spoiler alert, I actually get into a time machine in 2014, go back to 2004, give Jeff Varner the spoilers, and he actually got them from me. So, my apologies. Shots fired. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Calling people out. All right. So we have 15 minutes here in your last interview. Uh, Jay, what do you think we should talk about? I asked Kristen already. She has not prepared anything, unlike some of our previous uh, interviewees. Okay. Well, so I'm making, Kristen, I'm making you... Jay. Jay prepare something. <laughs> <laughs> Let's put him on the spot. There we go. Yeah, we can do that. Well, Kristen, we can talk about a lot of things. I mean, obviously, you know, a go-to topic would be talking a little bit about Survivor All-Stars, but we've done that in a, in a way. Is there any season of Survivor that uh, 
that you think about when you look back on it and you're like, man, that was a really good season of Survivor. Maybe one that we've talked about, maybe one that we haven't talked about that, uh, you know, really kind of jumps out at you. I guess kind of uh, looking back, it was a really nice surprise that Vanuatu was such an improvement over All-Stars. I know you. I know Vanuatu is close to you guys' hearts, too. <laughs> yeah, well, Vanuatu is interesting because the fan base didn't really get behind it at the time. And it still doesn't. I mean, people hate that season, and I do not understand. I think going in, I was kind of primed to like it because it's. I have kind of a weird connection to Vanuatu. They got their independence the day that I was born, like literally day, month, day, year I was born. And so when I saw that Survivor was doing a season there, of course, I was very excited about that. And um, when the cast was being leaked, I really noticed a lot of similarities between myself and Eliza. We were both, you know, loud girls from the D.C. area, who, and um, she was interested in becoming a public defender at that point. She has since become so. And that's what I was originally studying to be when I was in school as well. So I felt like there were a couple of tie-ins that kind of sucked me into that season, and it ended up being just really fun to watch. Now, did, the thing about Vanuatu's independence, did you know that before Survivor went there? I did. You I did when I was... Huge, <laughs> you're a huge nerd. I am a huge nerd, yes. Um, I was sitting there when I was like 11 or 12 reading through the World Almanac and just kind of flipping through the country section and my birthday jumped out at me and was like, oh, okay, this country, Vanuatu, all right. I guess I might as well read about that. So, <laughs> Now, do you still read through the World Almanac? No, I, okay. I haven't bought one in a while, but I, I still keep up with trivia. Oh, wow. Well, this, this, this brings up an interesting thing because you talked about how, you know, you sort of were drawn to Eliza uh, initially because uh, because of the similarities that you guys had in your backgrounds and, and profession a choice at the time and whatnot and things like mm-hmm. that. And Eliza has made, I mean, obviously Eliza made an impact on Survivor Vanuatu and then Eliza made a secondary impact uh, in Survivor Micronesia uh, and whatnot. Is, it, do you, is there any sort of, uh, you know, were you rooting for her even after that, uh, you know, in, in Micronesia? Like what, what are your overall opinions on Eliza and just her legacy in Survivor? Well, I was thrilled that they brought her back for Micronesia. Um, They kind of brought back some pretty random people for that season, and I recognized that she wasn't maybe the most obvious choice to come back, and so I was thrilled that they brought her back. I wanted to see how she did when, you know, she wasn't, when she wasn't up against people who she just had such a personality conflict with. But then it turned out in Micronesia, she did have some similar issues with different people. And I have to say that toward the end of the season, my allegiances and rooting for had definitely switched to Sari. Yeah. I was just going to say, she did I, have a great moment with the stick. <laughs> I was just going to say out of all the players in survivor history, I can think of few players that were disliked by the, their fellow contestants more than Eliza twice. So yeah, there's that probably really some... said something when it happened twice. <laughs> yeah. So at a certain point <laughs> you have to realize Eliza might be the problem there. Now, this concerns me because you compare yourself to Eliza. Now, are we going to have similar (laughs) issues here on Historians? Um, I don't. I don't think so. No. Mm -mm. What are my chances of being eye rolled incessantly (laughs) from the jury box from you? Um, probably pretty low. Yeah, I'm not not quite as good with the facial expressions as she is, which is just as well because this is audio. So, I mean, no, no reason to do the eye rolls. Exactly. It would just be a waste of airtime. <laughs> exactly. 
See, I'm trying to think of stuff to talk about Vanuatu. Now, Vanuatu is obviously one of my favorite seasons. But yeah, like Jay and Jay had pointed out, and I pointed out, then that the fan base never really got behind it. Why? I'm curious. Why do you think the audience never really got behind Vanuatu? I think that they didn't get behind it because they came so close to a storyline where the women were dominating in a situation, in a scenario where they started out as second-class citizens. Literally, in the opening ceremony of the of the premiere episode, they have to sit there and watch this ceremony, and the men can get the spirit stone, and they can't. And I think a lot of people kind of felt that the storyline, especially when it got down to Crispy and The Last Man Left, that the women were going to triumph, and then they didn't. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then they fall, fell apart for a lot of pretty stereotypical reasons, too. So I think that for that reason, a lot of people just kind of maybe felt bait-and-switched by the yeah. storyline. No, I think that's a good then, way to describe it. Yeah, I agree with that. And then, of course, Probes made no, you know, he had no intention of really selling that storyline either. So he wasn't invested in it. Nobody really was. It, it was a shame because it was a great story. When you watch it the second time, you see, you know, that if you look at it as Chris being the underdog instead of the women being the underdog, it is a great story. Well, not even that, but I, I guess this brings up a, a good point. Um, as a woman, you, you are watching the season and, and not even on a rewatch, but just the first time you watch it. I mean, obviously, you're drawn to the season because you see someone similar in Eliza. Mm-hmm. A female public defender, <laughs> just just like yourself, and then also you know just the fact that you know Vanuatu, you have this you know bond with it being your birthday and whatnot, and then you're watching the season, and you know are your are your allegiances with the women, and the fact that Chris pulls out this win at the end. I mean, what was your initial reactions when Vanuatu was done? Never mind rewatching it. Well, because I had been really kind of seeing it from Eliza's perspective, I couldn't stand Scout and Twyla. So for the finale to Eliza for to make the finale, that was awesome. And then for when she went out for somebody other than Scout or Twyla to win, that was fine with me too. Okay. Yeah. It's interesting because like my wife doesn't really get into the male versus female stuff either, but like Amazon in particular, that first episode when the guys were all cocky and the women beat them in the challenge, like my wife could not have been more excited. She was like jumping off the couch and cheering <laughs> yes. like I've never, yes. and she doesn't really get excited. <laughs> and what's funny is that in these male versus female season, I am curious, is it possible for a woman to root for a man to win in those? Are, are, are your allegiances so strong towards the women? But you yourself just pointed out that Twyla and Scout were not particularly likable. And then in Amazon, you got Heidi and Jenna who weren't really <laughs> representative of the middle-aged female perception. So <laughs> it's just, it, it would be interesting. I'm, I'm just curious about the perspective of a woman watching those seasons. Well, what was interesting was that they both did the battle of the sexes thing, but both of them had just completely opposite tones. And I don't know if it's because the average age of the you know, Endgame survivors was so different between the two seasons, but Amazon was much flirtier and, you know, had a lot more kind of cross-tribal interaction mm-hmm. and such. And then Vanuatu, it really did kind of stay divided. Yeah, it seems to me, just from my history of watching these seasons, that Amazon, they wanted it to be men versus women. And it mm-hmm. really didn't turn out that way because they were all flirting with each other and trying to hit on each other. Right. I mean, and nobody, we can't forget the hot uh, Roger and Dina romance. 
<laughs> but but yeah, so Amazon I don't think really worked out like they intended it to. And then with with Vanuatu, they kind of forced it in that direction by doing this horribly sexist opening ceremony, which was designed for no reason other than to piss mm-hmm. the women off. So it seems like they weren't really happy with how it worked in right. Amazon, and Vanuatu was closer to what they wanted. And then ironically, which which season do they seem to like better in retrospect? Which which season have they brought back more people? And yeah. Yeah. Well, that, you bring up an interesting point because we've had in our in our history of Survivor to this to this recording, we've had three seasons that really was set up in a men versus women dynamic. We've had Amazon, we've had Vanuatu, we've had Survivor One World all those all those years later. And I think that you know, even with modern recency bias the way it is, I think that if people were to rank those seasons, they mm-hmm. would probably put Amazon at the top, and then it's it's usually a toss up between One World and Vanuatu, probably One oh, World. Yeah over Vanuatu just because of recency bias and stuff like that. But yet when you look about, look at it, you know, Amazon, yeah. even though even though a woman wins Amazon, it's very sort of male and female flirty, male dominating because it's, you know, sort of Rob C and Matt season with uh-huh. Christy thrown in there is just a weird thing. And then you have Vanuatu, which is a very female dominated mm-hmm. show with Chris, the man, <laughs> pulling out a win. And then you have One World where the Women's Alliance ultimately shuts down the entire game with Kim Spradlin going on to win, who's considered one of the greatest strategists that Survivor has seen. And yet it's the women-dominated seasons that are getting kind of a less less thing. Is it, is, it, is it tonally the reason why? Is it because women are winning? I mean, I always like to think that, you know, usually the Survivor fan base is rooting for, for women in a way, but are they not really? I think that, well, One World, in terms of comparing the vibes kind of of Amazon and Vanuatu, I would say One World was definitely closer to the Amazon vibe than the one than the, the Vanuatu vibe. I think that when I saw the cast for One World and saw that they were going to be living on the same beach, it's like they went back to kind of the Amazon book of, oh, well, let's cast young hot people and they'll flirt with each other. Um, so I think that a big reason why One World gets discredited was because some of the people that they cast were so polarizing. I mean, you had Colton. The first few episodes of the season were so Colton-heavy, and I think that turned off a lot of people from the beginning, especially because one of his closest allies, Alicia, ended up making it so far. I mean, even if you're cheering for women, it was hard to cheer for Alicia (laughs) after Mm -hmm. the racist things that she pulled with Colton talking about Christina and doing the slanty eyes and stuff like that. And... So I think they had some really polarizing people like them. You had Troy Zan, who is one of the most polarizing characters in recent seasons. And then you had two people who made pretty much the end game, Tarzan and Christina, who didn't really seem to have any intention of trying to win. So I think that One World just was kind of a garbled mess in a lot of ways. And I think that Kim's win was incredible and she did a great job. And for all the credit that people give to Boston Rob for winning Redemption Island, Kim played pretty much the same game and isn't getting half the credit. But I think that that's probably why people kind of discount One World is just too many polarizing characters. Yeah, it's funny. It's funny uh, we were talking about this, but I just can't get over the fact that they've done these male versus female season, they still can't quite pull it off where the females will 100% root for the women. It's like, no. <laughs> Jenna, Jenna Maraska, of all people, winning Amazon. Like that, I know my wife wasn't a fan of Jenna's. No. <laughs> that, that's, that's an interesting point, in a way, though, because 
you know, you have Jenna Maraska winning Amazon, right? And then in uh, in Vanuatu, you know, you had the main female alliance, and you know, Amy and Leanne, you, you figure you can root for them, but you know, they were shown as villains. But then you have kind of the upstart women overthrowing them, which happened to be Scout and Twyla, which right. which people usually aren't aren't going so well with. And I guess you have one world with Alicia and Christina in there all the way to the end, and Cat being weird, you know. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you know, so it's like then you then you have to root like you have to root for Sabrina who seemed nice. Kim was was kind of nice, and you have Chelsea who's you know yelling at people there. and then at the at, at the end yeah. getting there to the end saying please vote for Kim. So you know you have all these weird things going on. I, I, I that's an interesting point where we all can't rally around you know a consensus woman. I suppose we're just waiting oh, for the Amazon, season. Can you imagine if uh, if Heidi had won if they had had to try to sell a Heidi win in Amazon? Oh God. <laughs> that would have been worse than Jen. I mean, there are very few things that would have been worse than Jerry in Australia, but Heidi winning Amazon would have been right up there. I can't even I, I can't even fathom the fan base surviving after that. No. <laughs> so we're still waiting for the season where where Colleen and Kathy O'Brien and Kelly Goldsmith will all align and everyone will root for them. We're waiting for that. That would be exciting. All right. Uh, one of the things that a lot of people mentioned about you and we talked about in your segment is that your background was in spoilers. Um, real quick before we sign off here, let's talk about spoilers and All-Stars because, again, this isn't something Jay and I talk about much. You, you're familiar with all the spoilers going around All-Stars at the time, correct? Yes. Mm-hmm. Was it widely known that Boston Rob and Amber were going to be the final two? Um. The way that Jeff Varner phrased it when he was making his predictions for the season was, don't ask me why, but I have a feeling that Amber is going to win All-Stars. So, (laughs) (laughs) just a feeling. I can't imagine where he, you know, just came up with that. As unlikely as it sounds, right? But, uh, um, yeah, so it was pretty well known that Shapiro was going to dominate and that that Rob and Amber were going to go far. Now, did- what was interesting, what was more interesting in a way that was finding out who was going to be going out early, there was a uh, poster on sex called, named Colleen Lover, and Colleen Lover had a friend who was in Patagonia during the filming of All Stars and just happened to run into Tina, Rob Cetronino, Richard, and Rudy. Yep. And so that, that became pretty pretty obvious that oh well obviously they're out early and it was kind of shocking to think of all those big names gone right at the beginning although i guess not in retrospect once we kind of realized oh this is how all stars works but yeah it was funny i was actually friends with colleen lover at the time i was he was my one of better friends so i remember that very well yeah he just randomly stumbled on what was they were riding horses or something yes mm-hmm. <laughs> they just randomly saw rudy and rob c and tina riding horses which is just hilarious if you think about and it and they had three. to send richard and sue on different vacations usually there's just one vacation for the people who don't make the jury but obviously that year they had to split it up because they did not want to send them on the same vacation (laughs) (laughs) now now the rob and lex stuff was that widely known in the spoiler community that there was a big fallout between those two during the season not as far as i recall um i would need to check my check back into my notes a little bit more but not as far as i know I seem to remember there being a lot of hype that Lex was very unhappy and he wasn't talking to people after All Stars mm-hmm. was filmed. So, I mean, even not knowing the spoilers and not being a part of the community, I vaguely remember that, that it was very widely known that Lex was very pissed about the season and people weren't talking. Right, but then not necessarily the reason why. And so it could have just been, you know, if you're trying to figure out why, it could just be, oh, well, he's mad he didn't win or something. Yeah. So and it Lex wasn't just- really known exactly what went down between them and... 
Unfortunately, every time you look at a survivor message board, it's still pretty not much not known what went down between them that caused him to be as angry as he was. So it'll oh, yeah. be good to correct that. Yes, uh, looking forward to All-Stars. Uh, I'm sure the Lex versus Rob stuff will come up for at least four hours. Oh, probably. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, you got anything else, Jay? No. Uh, anything else that, that – uh, what sets you apart from every other person – on here, why should we pick you? Trash talk other people, go. Um, because I'm the Amber, I guess. If this is All-Stars, I'm the person who came in to the community relatively, uh, came back relatively recently after not participating so much for a long time. And uh, I'm just the nice and kind of snarky girl who's going to get further than people thought she would. And I just have to credit it all to luck, pretty much. <laughs> And would you say the Survivor Historians <laughs> podcast is so good? Oh my god, it is so good. Well wow. done. Nice. <laughs> That's what we're missing. We're missing an Amber impression on the podcast, Jay. There we go. Oh my god, and mine is so good, you guys. <laughs> <laughs> right. uh, I think that's all we got. You got anything else you want to add, Kristen? Um, no, not no, nothing I can think of. All right. Well, thank but you. Thank for you so much for the opportunity. And yeah, I've had, if any, even if it goes no further, I've had a lot of fun with you guys. Yeah, it's been a lot of fun. Thank you very much for stopping by and helping us out. You're welcome. Talk to you later. All right. Bye. Bye. Okay. And now we have our sixth and final interviewee for the historians contest. Welcome back. One of our personal favorites, a guy who got a ton of feedback from our listeners. This is Danny Gottlieb. Hey guys, uh, thank you for having me back. I did not know you got a ton of feedback, so that is great to hear. Yeah, we like to keep your ego down, so we don't tell you that stuff. Yeah, I was I was preparing to be the most hated or something, but this is this is wonderful. There's still time if you'd like to be the most hated. We may we'll see what comes up today. All right, I can I can think of some horrible things to say. <laughs> now your segment was a fun one last time, and I've been told that you have something a topic you wanted to talk about this time. Uh, yeah, so. I guess I kind of want to just, I don't have any specific points that I want to make with this, but I kind of just wanted to talk about uh, the upcoming seasons that you guys are planning on covering, assuming you're going in chronological order of the seasons, because you guys sort of like to shit on All-Stars and continuing on from there. And I, I'm not necessarily the biggest fan of the uh, Guatemala, Fiji uh, even Cook Island's age, but I do think that they have some redeeming qualities. So I kind of mostly just want to start by asking what specifically you guys have against those with a larger focus on Cook Island, since it seems like you guys reserve <laughs> most of your hatred for that. Uh, I'll dive into this one. I actually don't hate all of those seasons. In fact, the way I've I have kind of written about Survivor history before is that the way I, I look at Survivor is it just as an amazing show for seven years and it all kind of came crashing down because of excess, egos, just bad planning in the eighth season. Mm -hmm. And they kind of had to re rebirth the franchise. It had to be reborn kind of out of nowhere. So like Vanuatu to me is like Borneo. They had to start the entire thing over. And I think they actually did a pretty good job. I love Vanuatu. It's one of my favorite seasons. I think Palau is... It's got some flaws, but I think it's strong. I think Guatemala, I don't really like or hate. It's kind of always been in the middle. It's kind of right after that where I think it kind of fell apart again. They started adding too much. So 
I actually don't hate everything after All Stars as a rule. I think they did a good job of starting the whole thing over again, and then I think it just kind of got overloaded with twists. Yeah, yeah. Uh, did, I I think that I mean I would almost put Vanuatu is my, one of my top three seasons. I just think Vanuatu is uh, a priceless season. Um, Guatemala to me, you know, as a whole, it's it's not so bad. Um, just the fact that they you know, it, it's the first season that really brings back returnee players mixed with new players. And so I'll always kind of hate just that aspect of it. But, you know, just in a vacuum by itself, it's not it's not all that bad of a season uh, and whatnot. It, I think, you know, and I've said it before, I think with Cook Islands, it's 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 just one of those seasons where it, it's a season where when you look at everything that it had going for it on paper, it has a lot. But the season is just kind of—it's very workmanlike. It's not, you know, you have all these, you know, fantastic elements that come together that just kind of make blah. Okay. Um, I mean, I guess my some quick background with those seasons is uh, I, I went to—I started college like shortly after All Stars, so, so those are sort of the years where uh, I probably wasn't sitting down on a Thursday night to watch. A TV show is probably out drinking or whatever. So uh, I'm like you guys with the first seven or so where I've seen them maybe 50 times. Uh, and a lot of these middle seasons that are approaching, I've with most of them, I've actually only seen them like once at the time that they were on. Mm-hmm. So I'm actually really looking forward to hopefully getting the chance to go back with them because all I distinctly remember uh, is my first impressions. And I, I loved Vanuatu. I really loved that. Um, but Cook Island specifically stuck out to me as one that I really did love for some weird way. And, and I, you know, I don't remember a lot of the specifics of it. I remember a lot of the characters, and that's what stuck out to me because it kind of felt like more old school in a way where there was a lot of character focus, and especially Guatemala with the returning players. I agree with what you said about that, that it felt very gimmicky. And I thought Cook Islands was... It, it kind of felt old school. It was, it was a focus on the characters, and there were so many hilarious character moments and just really bizarre, bizarre people in that season. Um, so I actually thought it was really fun. You know what's interesting is what I remember about Cook Islands is the opening to Cook Islands, isn't it word for word the same as the opening to Borneo? Don't they make them jump off the boat or something with the exact same opening as they had in Borneo? I don't remember that specifically. Yeah, I remember I, that. I remember that at the time thinking, oh, what a cool little callback to the first season. And and oh, I, yeah, I, they all get in their rafts. and Yeah, Yeah, but it's like word for word. It's a very deliberate callback to the first season. And I it's, will say... Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, I was I was just going to agree that it, it definitely from the that's all I remember about it. Besides, you know, some of the specific standout moments that happened, but I do remember getting the feeling that like, all right, this is like old school Survivor coming back. What I loved, and it kind of brought me back in for a little bit, and you know, because everything just kind of felt off around that time. But that one, I'm always surprised when you guys shit on it because because it just felt so character heavy, which was refreshing already at that point. What's interesting is that you, most of the fan base that I've seen and heard would agree with you. That's a very popular season. Yeah. And so I'm really in the minority in this one. And so this is one I've, I kind of have to stick my neck out there because this is not a popular opinion not to like violence. <laughs> and I, I just cannot stand, I've watched it a couple times when I was doing research for the funny 115. That's, it's just a season you cannot rewatch over and over. It just doesn't hold up that well. And that's all I can really say about it. And, and in fact, I'm even kind of upset I've said this many good things about it because I really <laughs> do not like that season. But this is your interview. So I like to hear you rant, not me. Well, see, and I'm, that's why I'm, when I'm like, I started thinking after we, after our first 
interview and I, I started looking at the upcoming seasons because I don't even, with that middle section, I'm not even sure the order is right in my head because a lot of those I've only seen once. So I started looking at what they actually were and I'm actually really excited to go over them. Um, and Vanuatu, you know, which is coming up after All Stars, I, I, I mentioned the first one, but I have, a, like, Scout is a family friend of ours mm-hmm. and I haven't actually met her. We just have, like, exchanged Christmas cards and, like, emails and stuff. Um, she's more of a friend of my dad's, but, I'll, you know, I only watched that once. And I totally missed everything else that was happening in the season because I was so excited to know someone that I was cheering for Scout, totally blind for Scout. And now, in retrospect, I feel like if I watch it a second time, I'm probably going to hate her based <laughs> off of what I remember. Like, I don't think she was uh, a, a fun person to watch. And I know she does not have a big fan base. So mm-hmm. that's one thing I'm really curious to see what happens with me, <laughs> whether I turn against Scott now that I'm older and wiser and more cynical. Now, what's interesting, I don't know if Jay will agree with me on this, but I'm, I'm kind of a closet Scout fan. I think she's really <laughs> funny. Kind of, it's kind of subtly funny, though, and she's mean. If you watch her, she's like a mean little bully, but she's just like so much the smartest person out there that she can get away with stuff and people don't realize she's being horrible to them. <laughs> so it's, I actually think you will appreciate her the second time. I don't know. What do you think? Are you a Scout fan, Jay? Scout has a lot of very interesting moments uh throughout the game and it's 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 funny because they're i think i agree with you they're very subtle you know just in in what she does because you know she's very condescending to people but she does it with such saccharine (laughs) that you know it's 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 kind of a fun little combo there yeah well so now i'm thinking that i need to get my parents to send me all of her old christmas cards that she would send because (laughs) the only reason like i hadn't met her and hadn't my dad had never talked about her but when her name came up i knew it because every year her christmas cards would come and i just remember they were so insane and just <laughs> completely bizarre so like every year i'd be like who is this woman she was just fascinated me so i really got to find those <laughs> you know what's funny is if, if you read those in retrospect now it'd be funny if she's like subtly insulting your parents every year in the christmas oh, yeah. card and they never noticed it oh yeah just like targeted little jabs at all of us that we totally missed <laughs> It's an interesting to hear you talk about, you know, Cook Islands and stuff like that and, and whatnot. And, and I, I know that people lo- really like Cook Islands and stuff like that, but I always feel like Cook Islands gets remembered a lot more positively than the season was. But I yeah. think that's because I feel like Cook Islands is a season that, you know, it, it's it, – I mean, look at all the people that have come back in, in Cook Islands, all the characters that we've had come back. You know, Parvati's come back, and, and, you know, the legend of Parvati has been born. Candace has now come back several times since Cook Islands. Jonathan Penner is from Cook Islands. Everybody likes Yule. He hasn't come back, but he is our winner from Cook Islands. And everybody, you know, and myself included, all think Yule is just fantastically wonderful. But, you know, we've had, you know, Ozzy come back. You know, we have all these big characters that have come back and gained a second or third life in Survivor from Cook Islands. And so when everyone looks at Cook Islands, they're like, oh my God, look at Cook Islands. It had Candace and Parvati and, and Yule and Ozzy and, 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 and Penner and all this stuff. It must have been fantastic. And it's like, it really wasn't. It came together and it was just kind of, it was just there. There was nothing super wrong with it. There was nothing with the season where I was like, this is the worst season on, on ever. But it had all these great parts and yet it just was. Yeah. And then at the same time, now we have, you know, everyone's like, looks at that season and says, oh my God, look at all the stuff that's come from that season. The answer is, yeah, but I think that that's, it doesn't make that season any better. It just, you know, it's just this feeder season for a lot of other things. Yeah, it's, and that's very true. And I was actually 
just thinking also about um, Fiji, that it sort of gets remembered as not as, it's kind of the opposite of the Cook Islands, where mm -hmm. now everyone just shits on Fiji. And I think the main reason I hated it when I saw it for the first and only time um, was that it felt really gimmicky at the time. You know, the, the, the haves versus have-nots angle I thought was just absurd. And I was one of those people that was saying Survivor is ruined, they're, they're desperate, they're digging for answers. Because, you know, there had been gimmicks up until that point, but nothing that felt that game ruining and now I'm kind of interested to revisit it considering the sheer amount of gimmicks we've had <laughs> yeah. ever since then. I mean, brawn versus brain versus beauty, you can't get much more gimmicky than that whether or not it's good or not. It's So I'm curious to look at it with these new like modern eyes <laughs> and see if it actually was a pretty okay season because there were some fun moments and some great characters that came out of that. So I think I could maybe overlook the gimmick. I'm not sure. Yeah, I actually liked Fiji when I went back to rewatch it. I mean, it's just, it's kind of a fun, it's different. It's not everyone's cup of tea, but it's got some fun stuff in it. And there's some really good Yao Man moments and Earl's kind of cool. It's just, it's better than I think most people remember it. Just like, which exactly what Jay said. I think Cook Island is not quite as good as people remember it. Yeah. So, I mean, that that's sort of the main thing that I would want to do coming into this is the, the seasons that you guys have gone over so far are I think for the most part, besides Thailand, pretty much beloved. Mm -hmm. uh, and the ones coming up, including with me, are the ones that sort of get shit on by everyone and looks everyone looks down on it as like the dark period of Survivor. And I am interested for myself and to talk about with you guys uh, revisiting it and finding out if these seasons are that bad, mm -hmm. if they have redeeming qualities, what the redeeming qualities are. Because um, it, it definitely is the slump period in my mind and I hope I can change that because I don't want to think badly about survivor well that's the thing if you hang out with us you might <laughs> so you gotta watch it be careful what you ask for here oh no don't ruin the show jay are, jay and i are not bright rays of sunshine all the time <laughs> you don't say <laughs> i mean besides not having the gay perspective we don't always have the sunshine perspective either <laughs> i don't think anyone is saying that you guys are the brightest <laughs> podcast on the internet not smartest I okay mean, thank you please happiest. thank you for correcting that oh god that was yeah thank you it's been great danny yeah, oh god, I almost ruined this whole thing. Yeah, yeah. Danny, <laughs> you're disaster. fired. You're fired. Oh, up, no. up to be here, I can tell. <laughs> My mom's in the other room. I have to be able to tell her something good about this. <laughs> well, you bring up you bring up an interesting point. It's just it's just along the lines of, you know, how far in this show do we go? And cuz you know, people have talked to us and said that you know, we have such love for the first seven seasons, especially seasons that haven't gotten as much love, such as Survivor Thailand uh, and whatnot, you know, and I just think that that season is so super fabulous. Mm -hmm. But, you know, a lot of people want us to go forever. Please do this season. Please do this season. It's like you're going to get to seasons that we really just don't like. Yeah. And it's like, look, if we did, you know, and I'm pretty sure at some point we're going to do a historian's podcast on Cook Islands. Um, you know, there's 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 stuff to be mined out of it. I mean, it, there's stuff to there is positive stuff that you can get out of it. Uh, but you know, for the most part, it's like, do you really want to listen to Mario and myself and 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 whomever just uh, you, you know really rattle off you know stuff that we really don't like about the show? I mean, is that something people want to listen to? I don't think so. You know, yeah, I think exactly. people really like the fact that we're we're very positive about things, and I like the fact that we're positive about things. Yeah, this is something I've thought about and talked about with Jay many times, that it's great that we're doing seasons we like, but we will come to a point where we're doing seasons we don't like, and I don't really know what the tone of the show will be, and we have a very quick test coming up, because All-Stars <laughs> is probably the season I hate the most. <laughs> Although, again, there's, 
I don't mind talking about All Stars because it's fun just to bitch about it. Now, Cook Islands, I just don't want to do because I don't even know if we could fill nine hours of material on that season, to be honest. I mean, I think All Stars is pretty easy just because it's the parts that are bad are hilariously bad. Um, but I think there are a lot of bad that are hilariously bad parts of Cook Islands, too. I think there's a lot of it that is, you know, not that serious, even if you do think it's boring or whatever. I don't know. I mean, there's like, you know, Becky and. Is it Sundra or C? I can't even remember her Sandra, name. Yeah, Sundra, yeah, Becky and Sundra. They were, they were such boring messes the whole season, but then they provided us this spectacular moment at the end. So I think there are, there are moments to be found in that that provide some sort of levity. And, and I don't so, think it will get that dark and depressing because it is just a reality show. So you're all. saying that, <laughs> that, that, that like a five-hour fire-making competition where they were given matches and then ran out of matches was a glorious moment? Oh, God, that was spectacular television. How do you, how do you not agree with that? That was, that was amazing. Oh, God, the reactions on, on the jury's faces, that's, that's truly one of my favorite moments. I think about it more than I would like to admit. I thought it was, I thought it was amazing. All right. I think I, I think I believe I was, I was standing up in the living room of my apartment in college. No one else in my apartment watched the show, and I'm like screaming at the TV in disbelief, and everyone's just like walking by to get another beer or whatever, just shaking their head at me. Oh, I love that moment. <laughs> I have to say, I, I like that moment too. I will stick up for you on this one. That's one of the few times in Cook Islands I enjoyed it. I mean, in retrospect, at the time it wasn't particularly interesting. <laughs> Looking back, it's kind of funny. Okay, now we have other people that we've interviewed on the show tonight that have complained that some segments run longer than others. So I'm going to get yelled at real bad if I let you go more than a couple more minutes here. All right. <laughs> we have people that time this stuff. It's very serious. This is serious business, Danny. Well, I feel like we will have plenty of time in the future when I'm on the podcast with you guys. That's what I like to hear. I like the confidence. <laughs> now, I know earlier in your application and in your uh, – we'll just wrap this up real quick. And in, in your segment last show – you were very cocky in saying you were going to crush these other people. You were going to run them all off the, out of the competition. Yep. Having listened to the, all the other interviews <laughs> now, anybody you'd like to – obviously, you haven't listened to the five on this show. But on the first show and on your show, anybody else you'd like to trash talk and tell us not to hire so you get the job instead? Um, well, I don't know if this is too insidery, but I did send you an email uh, trash talking everyone that you can peruse. I don't know if the other – contestants did that but if they didn't they weren't playing the game correctly um i think my biggest competition is Kristen or kirsten um i think she's fairly well spoken and she brings the female perspective but i didn't find her that interesting uh she didn't hold my attention for the full 15 minutes so i think if that's second best i think danny gottlieb is the answer <laughs> this is going to work out real well because she was the interview right before you. So this oh, perfect. perfect. This will be great. Well, hopefully people stayed awake to hear me. <laughs> oh, that was good. <laughs> Shots fired across the bow. <laughs> oh, bring it on, Kristen. Kristen. See? Can't even remember her name. Mm. All right. She can find another podcast. <laughs> All right. Uh, we'll wrap this up. Anything, I guess, the same question we ask everybody. Yep. What's the one thing that you would bring to the show that nobody else can bring? What makes you so goddamn special? Oh, boy. Uh, I think I bring a wonderful personality. I think I bring a difference of opinion where it counts, not just for the sake of differing. Uh, I think I can talk to you guys easily, and I think I'm the best podcast that you guys have ever discovered. All right, I think you make some valid points. Yeah, well, you know, I think that says it all. All right, thank and I you. think I'm fun to talk to. 
We'll be I the judge of that. We'll be the judge of that, Danny. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thank you very much for stopping by. You got anything more for him, Jay? Nope. I think we're good. All right. And uh, yeah, Thanks. we'll uh, we'll give Kristen your contact information after the show so she can she can hunt you down. Oh yeah, we can we can hash it out. <laughs> I'll I'll help her like find a job on LinkedIn or something. <laughs> All right. Thank you, Danny. Thanks, guys. All right. Bye. All right. Bye. All right, and uh, with that, we have wrapped up our six finalists for the Survivor Historian's Apprentice. What do you think, Jay? I think it was pretty good. I, you know, it was fun to talk to everybody again, mm-hmm. and uh, it was, it was, you know, it, it's fun just to kind of get some back and forth going. You know, it's the first time you talk to somebody. You know, we did, like I said last time, it's an incredibly difficult thing just to get called and just kind of almost be cold called on the air and, you know, kind of put yourself out there for everyone to listen to. And, uh, you know, this time, you know, there's a little bit of advance warning, a little bit of give and take. So I, it was kind of fun to have everyone kind of relax and be on a second element. Yeah, I agree. It was the first one. There were some people that were really nervous and I felt bad because some of them kind of cracked the first time. And it wasn't really their fault. They were just kind of thrown into a situation with not really any preparation. But yeah, the second time around, you could tell they were more relaxed. Most people had something they'd planned to talk about and yeah, I was pretty pleased with most of the interviews. It's going to be a, a tough choice. I know we don't want to tip our hands right now. I'm assuming you don't want to, correct? Of course not. All right. So we'll talk about this off the air. And the next time you hear us, we should have a third historian. And when the fun thing is we were not going to announce who we pick. The only person that will know is the person that uh, gets the job. And they will. we will give them an email. It'll be... Uh, quiet there will be no leak on this and you won't know who gets the job until you start hearing their voices on our next podcast which i think will be an exciting way to uh, do the reveal yeah i think that's good and uh, you know again to to everybody to everybody that uh, that wrote in thank you to everybody that was picked uh for the semifinal round thank you so much for coming on the air with us and to the six people uh that that were in the in the finals here i mean obviously we have to choose one and that means that five are excluded uh but you know it was just so fun to talk to each and every one of you and i hope uh you know, I, I just I just hope that that it was uh, that we all just had some fun and, and talked a little bit of Survivor and uh, that we can just uh, move forward from this. Yep. And there's always the possibility if for some reason we're doing a podcast, if Jay's not here, I'm not here. If our third person's not here, we can always call in a rotating third for that show if it's an emergency. And if that happens, we know five good backups that could jump in at any moment. So absolutely. So everybody did a great job. And thank you all for coming and helping us out. All right. And uh Unless Paul suddenly shows up in the next two seconds to save his job, I think that's pretty much all we got tonight. Uh, anything more, Jay? I think, uh, I, you know, it, this has been fun. But uh, to be honest with you, I'm just ex- I'm, I'm excited. I want to talk about Survivor All-Stars, which is something I didn't think I'd ever really want to say. <laughs> yes. But, uh, you know, I'm, I'm excited to, uh, to do so. I've, I've, I've got some notes here, and, you know, I've, I've got some things ready to go. So, I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm chomping at the bit at this point. Let's, let's get going. Yeah, Jay, Jay and I were just talking about this off the air after one of, between interviews. Like, we're just dying to talk about Survivor again. Like, it's fun jumping around to different subjects, but let's delve into a season. I mean, we haven't talked about a season in like five months. Yeah, and I've got things. I've got things, man. Exactly. I mean, I've got things to frickin' point out. <laughs> you know, make memes, and you know, well, I, I mean, you know, some of some of the things that 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 we say that you know people didn't start repeating and and all that sort of stuff. First of all, bless you guys, and second of all, I mean they haven't been invented yet. I mean I just can't wait to you know just get this train going. <laughs> Jay's got impressions he's holding out on. He has not used them yet, 
and I've heard him do them between segments. So you guys are in for a treat. I have to up my game here to match some of his All Star impressions. Oh uh, well, you've got Rupert on the season, so yeah. you, know, you get somewhat of a pass. But uh, you know, no Krista and no Butch, and you know, none of these obscure survivors <laughs> that I really think are amazing uh, to be on Survivor All Stars. So I, I've got I've got to pull out all my bag of tricks. But uh, I've been working on it. I'm bound and determined to be the first person ever to do a Jenna Lewis impression. And not like the X-rated version. I was going to say, there are so many ways you can go with that. (laughs) All right. Uh, So I think that's it. We will sign off because we want to go talk about this and pick our third historian. And again, the next time you hear our uh, voices, it will be, we'll be a new trio and we'll be talking about All-Stars. And I know most of you are saying, thank God. Yeah. Well, we heard you. Yep. And that's it. As always, for Survivor Historians, I'm Mario Lanza. And I'm Jay Fisher. And we'll keep a light on for you. Talk to you guys later. Thank you.